way like Horus is like Roman Reigns in a lot of ways. He's a he's a very not like Horus Hogan. Like he's more like Roman Reigns. Yeah, he's okay. he's more like uh, Roman, uh, Roman Reigns. He's, okay. he's a very charismatic but manipulative kind of mm. leader. Uh, you know, he was able to convince all of his brothers to like join him mm. in his path against the emperor, like Jimmy and Jay, like Jimmy and Jay, but, but cousins. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, despite them, a lot of them having their reservations about him, okay. like he, he was able to sort of like get them on site right. to be able to go out and pursue his goals. Um, he hasn't killed anyone yet, yeah. but there's you know there's still time for that to happen, I guess. Okay, so I feel like I've learned a lot from today, yeah. but. You've still not told me who would the Brutus Barber Beefcake equivalent be. Uh, it's, hmm. But we'll leave that for next time. Well, well, okay, there's not really a primorg I can compare him to, but okay. there might be somebody from like one of the chapters that would be sort of compared. I mean, I don't know. It's like, he he looks like he smells quite a bit, so maybe Mortarian. <laughs> okay. Maybe Mortarian. I'll do some research into that for you. Yeah. But this is a journey that we're on. If you can learn about Zlatan Ibrahimovic and as I found out in training the week after, Yap Stam, if you can find out about former Manchester United footballers to impress me and Ian Ambrose and I can look into this in a bit more detail for you. Because I'm slacking. <laughs> well, I'm slacking, Jack. I'm sorry. Hey, no, no, I'll be a better student. Hey, don't worry. Don't worry. I mean, there's a lot of lore. There's like 60 books in the Horace Heresy series. So like, there's a lot to get through. Um, but, you know, take your time with it. Every day is a school day. That is true. Uh, but I, I guess we should actually go on to the um, the bulk of why we're yes. recording this. So, uh, the FCW podcast yeah. is back. It's back, baby. Welcome back, or welcome if you're listening to us for the first time. This is the FCW podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Fair City Wrestling. My name is Duke Cannon. I am one half of the tag team champions alongside Nathan North. Uh, and with me, as always, is my effervescent oh. co-host. Uh, you might have heard him on commentary. You might have even seen, seen him in the ring a couple of times. It is Patrick Petersky. Hello. And I just want to thank you again for being one of the people that saved SCW from the clutches of uh, Glory Hunting Agency. So thank you. And, I mean, it, it had to be It had to be done. Uh, I'm just glad that like our team came out on top. I mean... Um, as much as I don't like giving him any credit, Dickie Davis did the smart thing of like trying to take my leg out because he knew that I was going to kick him square in his goddamn teeth. Uh, and not only that, when ADM opened up those ropes and I got tangled oh, up. Oh yeah, that was nasty. That, that was horrifying. Yeah. I felt like jumping the barrier at that point going, you're right. Because <laughs> that was not fun to watch it's, that. It, it was not fun to be in. No. It was not fun to be in at all. But they knew exactly what they were doing with that, but... They weren't good enough at the end of the day. No. Like, the, we came together because we wanted uh, to save Fair City Wrestling. We yeah. had an actual stake in it. They were all just mercenaries. Yeah. They, they all just did it for the paycheck. Uh, and it showed through in the fact that they couldn't even get along together. I mean, like, ADM just wanted to go and batter Caleb. He did. He, he didn't care about winning. He didn't even care about anybody else. In the team. He probably didn't even care about the money. No. He just wanted to go in and get his revenge. And, well, look at how that turned out from. <laughs> I mean, obviously we're referring to your match at Mania, but our guest tonight um, was given match of the night by arguably the sort of the, the Dave Meltzer of Scottish wrestling, if you like, Billy Strachan, who yeah. said very kind things about their match. We're joined by former SEW champion Ewan G. Market. Good evening, gentlemen. Okay. Thank you very much for coming. My pleasure. Yeah. yeah. So, so, Duke, will uh, we dive in? 
with your five questions of doom for Mr. Markey. Well, I uh, suppose we can get straight to the point, if that's okay for yourself. Yeah, that would be fine. Okay, excellent. Well, if you are joining us for the first time, we like to do a series of quick-fire interview questions to get to know our guest a little bit better. These are the five questions of doom. Uh, so we're going to start off with the first one, which is, if you were stuck on a desert island and you could take one pay-per-view with you to keep you entertained indefinitely on that island, what would it be? Well, I understand that people who have been asked this question before have tried to be amusing and say, why is there electricity on this desert island? Yeah. And such comments. However, I do understand the understand the question because if my choices were limited to view wrestling ever again and I wasn't there was no chance I would have any level of freedom where I could make a choice I'd have to pick something that would keep me solidly entertained and uh, I guess it would something that would keep me entertained wanting to rewatch constantly and there would be a continual dare I say, adventure and fire in the whole uh, pay-per-view. However, I find myself torn between two, and I think it's probably because of the nostalgia for me, which mm -hmm. is probably sounds very pitiful. But for me, if it's going to be the what I was introduced to as a child, the WWF, I think I must have watched the tape until it broke, which was Royal Rumble 1993. And I think that's, for me, it, I found it captivating. So many big wrestlers in the ring, so many over-the-top characters, but such an electricity as well that uh, forever sticks with me. And it, not just because it was something I watched constantly. It was a video never left a video recorder, as far as a video player. Yeah. But for me, there was such a spectacle. And the it's between that or WrestleMania 8. And I'm not entirely sure why, but again, I think it would be the spectacle and how everything felt so different. Everything felt larger than life. And that's how wrestling seemed to me when I was younger. So as much as I've rambled here, thinking about both of these events is what kicked off the idea of spectacle. And for anyone that's listened to this podcast who knows me, you know I like spectacle. You know I like presence. You know I like to deliver... They're nodding. You guys can't see it, but they're both nodding. So I, I think that's what sticks with me. So can you tell us a bit more about the shows? Now, the one that everyone remembers is Raw Rumble 92. Yeah. When you started to say 1990, I thought, going to go Rumble 92. He's yeah. going to go Flair going, uh, was it from third to the end? Of yeah. The yeah. Remind me, who, who was in the 93 match? Who came out on top of that? Because I well, can't remember off the top of my head. Ric Flair drew one. And it was such a, a, a point made by Bobby Heenan saying, well, he managed to go from three, get mm. all the way to the end. He could do it again. But then I think Flair got up to number 10 and Mr. Perfect came out. Mm. And I will never, ever forget the line is that Flair doesn't want to win the Royal Rumble. He just wants to put Flair, eh, not Flair, so Perfect doesn't want to win the Royal Rumble. He just wants to put Flair in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And there was the visual that was left at the end when they used to do the little slideshow of pictures or, or like stills from the event is Mr. Perfect about to put his hands on a pleading and begging Ric Flair and I never ever forgot it. I yeah. thought, that's more than just winning a match. That's more than just getting a paycheck. That's more than just trying to prove you're the better man. That is 
a ruthless yet understandable way of wanting to to take a man from beyond the, the sporting element of wrestling into the real primal, destructive fight that goes beyond it. It was almost like a burning passion to take this man out. And I thought, wow, imagine not wanting to win this sporting spectacle. You just want to harm a gentleman. But as you, as you know how I am, you both know, that sometimes your emotion can completely and utterly exceed mm -hmm. the sporting realms and the rules of the contest you're a part of. And I was completely blown away by it. And as a, as a young child, uh, I admired it. And I thought, yes, put Flair in the hospital. <laughs> That's all you've got to do tonight. And then I remember Bob Backlund surviving right up until the final four. And uh, with all the heart, again, the heart, the passion and the commitment. And again, as a child, I watched it and I thought, even though I know he didn't win, I'd watch it constantly and think, maybe this time. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe it'll be slightly different. Always had that hope, even knew it was, and even knowing that it wasn't going to work for him. But then I always remember the end of the desperation of Macho Man, Randy Savage as well, trying to pin Yokozuna. Oh, yeah, and no. being thrown from the floor, to, uh, completely from the, not the floor, sorry, from the canvas, completely to the floor. And I thought, there was no way they could stop that man. There was a lot of big guy. There was earthquake, typhoon, uh, even Damien Demento had stolen my haircut. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of big guys in that match, and uh, they were all thrown around the ring. Like the ring probably had to be reinforced, and that was one of the things they said. They might have to. Well, they said they'd reinforced the ring. It certainly felt like it. It looked like that. So to to me, that's where the spectacle was. It was a almost a. a a show of real desperation, but a show of real strength, a show of real heart. And why uh, WrestleMania 8 sticks with me again as a spectacle. And I'll always remember the... I'm going to go for Rumble 93, I think. Mm -hmm. But the, 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 the spectacle for WrestleMania 8 is what I enjoyed because there was something kind of wholesome and heroic about the return of the Ultimate Warrior, even though it was kind of lame. Now I look back, but that's what put wrestling on the map, I guess, was larger than life superheroes, yeah, yeah. which to me, I wouldn't have had a place back then at all, for I wouldn't have fitted the bill. But when I look and I see that that story isn't just of, of having somebody come in at the nick of time to save you, and I, I know it was Hulk Hogan and people have their mixed opinions on him now, but I think about Jake Roberts planting the undertaker of the DDT and the crowd kind of going still for a minute and reacting and then eventually the undertaker getting up from this and the length that Jake was going to go to to put away a terrifying man but the the scariest one out of the pair of them I thought I was more intrigued by Jake but I thought if this guy can put the Undertaker away he knows something we don't yeah. like he's there's there's more darkness to him than there is to this man who literally has risen from the darkness so that's what I was intrigued and it made me think there's a famous quote I wish I could remember who'd said it I'd seem very learned and clever if I could remember but He's not, what did he say, not terrified of werewolves, ghosts or haunted houses and more terrified of people and what people will do to each other. And I think Jake Roberts was definitely ploughing into the depths of uh, almost an ethereal being's mind and managing to play mind games with him. And I thought, that's incredible. That's cool. And that's why that sticks with me. But I'm going with Rumble 93. Yeah. Walter John Williams. It that was his name. That, that was his name. Walter John yeah. Williams. I yeah. could not remember. But yes, I'm not clever. That was Google. That was not me. Just pulling <laughs> that out. Yeah. I was about to say, you're, I didn't know that you were an academic. I should have just like 
just went with that. Like, <laughs> yeah, you've exposed <laughs> your ignorance now, but then I, so too did I. So, but two good choices though. Like even if it's like a, a, a an honourable mention for WrestleMania, it, not one that's re- remembered fondly. Yeah, I think because it, not maybe not because of what happened, but because maybe what could have happened. Yes, like, yeah, people thought, so. why didn't we get um, Flair versus Hogan? Mm-hmm. But arguably, you, you had Flair versus Savage on that card, which is. Probably a better match than Flair versus Logan could have ever seen. It was quite well littered as well with uh, what people would remember now as wrestling greats of the yeah. 70s, 80s, and at the time, the fledgling years of the 90s. Mm-hmm. That's the wrestling I think a lot of people remember. Because as you go on now, I've realised as well that there's the attitude era that everyone remembers. And I could have picked anything from there, but there was something I felt that was still simmering from the hotbed that was the the eight, like the 70s and the 80s that I still got to see. And that as much as I started to watch wrestling in 1994, I was able to go back a couple of years and see all of this stuff and understand the great weight that it had to why the wrestling I watched in 1994 and 95 that was full of cartoon characters, mm-hmm. I was able to look back and go, this is what it was. Yeah. And this is what I like. But then 1993 was like an interesting tipping point because it had a lot of older stars who were based entirely on their wrestling and the air of confidence and superstardom they had mixed with unusual characters yeah, and I think you've got that, that crossover period of yeah. like the golden age into the new generation of course yeah. the young guys in the new generation are kind of what went on and became the attitude yeah. so it's like you've got everyone there at the same time yeah, that was the yeah. crossover period and I think that's why it sticks with me is because as if you wanted to make up a fantasy wrestling league you might put like John Tenter like Earthquake against Yokozuna or you might tag them together but to see them up and I know John Tenter wrestled for many years fortunately he's no longer uh, with us but it was weird to see someone who was viewed as a big evil monster to take on another evil monster mm-hmm. together and it was almost a case of perhaps he'll be the guy and we'd rather see him be the guy because we know him yeah. rather than this, this younger Yokozuna coming in and, and they seemed like genuine threats so as a child watching it I thought I'm Back in the guy that wins, I think. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely give everybody their due, mm-hmm. and and support the ones that go in there and they're uh, ready to go uh, like lock horns almost. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Got an add to that, Joe? No, it's, uh, I'm I'm actually just kind of fascinated with the again the amount of thought that goes into it. a lot of people just sort of say they they pick their favorite pay per view because oh I like these matches I like these matches but yeah. a lot of people just say WrestleMania seventeen yeah it's, <laughs> I mean it's a it's a it's a go to one but I like I like the amount of thought that yeah. went into this and it's quite interesting that you say uh, about the sort of like again the differences between like the golden age going into like the attitude era um again like the sort of culture change and the culture shock that changed from the 80s into the 90s yeah. uh, that gave way to that sort of thing and in a lot of ways resurged like there was a huge resurgence of wrestling just in general yeah. there was a definite passing of something and it wasn't like the, a cliche like the passing of the torch it was more like how wrestling was going to look in the mainstream mm. which I think there's a big problem with wrestling just now not just in Scotland it's all around the world is that people that wrestling within wrestling sorry and the people within wrestling forget the lay people on the outskirts who don't understand it but I made a I guess maybe I could call it subtle it's not really subtle an attempt to understand where their minds might be because I held the likes of Jake the Snake Roberts in high regard I think about WrestleMania 8 I thought uh, Bob Backlund was fantastic and and admired these guys and, and even thought Papa Shango was cool 
I, I, out of all of the things that happened in the Rumble 93, Bobby Heenan's commentary sticks with me because I thought it was brilliant and he was my favourite part of it. But what I mean is that the lay people that are on the outskirts, that are on the outside of wrestling, you see Bobby the Brain Heenan, they have no idea who that is mm-hmm. and they don't care. Mm-hmm. Whereas we care. Yeah. I cared and I thought it was weird to see a, a ring full of real life superheroes and my mother would comment, it's all stupid, it's all nonsense. You know, and to be told by fathers, uncles, friends, dads could take him no bother. And I thought, okay, cool. But now that I've been a wrestler for almost 17 years, and I think I can step into the ring with anyone of any size, and I still survive to this day, but I wouldn't disrespect them to the extent by saying somebody outside the wrestling business couldn't ha- or could, could hack it when they were there because these men really were titans and really were. Warriors at a time when, uh, I think, as you say, there was that crossover point as well. They were being, I mean, wrestling has always been mocked, but they were getting closer to being mocked, and I think they knew that they'd been heroes, they'd been superstars, they'd been movie stars, and everyone's going to have their opinions. But they were moving towards an era where wrestling was about to become very cartoony, and you were about to hang your head in shame if you were a fan Mm -hmm. as a child. You could be going to take your wrestling ring to your friend's house to play a Royal Rumble with the toys, and you'd have older kids sneering from the bus stop saying, still like wrestling, it's all stupid. And you'd be holding your Greg the Hammer Valentine figure angrily to remind them that this man could probably beat them, the whole family and the whole street up if he wanted. But you were reminded that the, the lay people, people on the, you know, the outskirts, the outsiders, were looking down at this product that I thought was fantastic. But then we look within wrestling and wrestling's still ready to beat itself up and take itself down and rip things apart. So for me, the Royal Rumble 93 was where my adoration came from. And I could watch it and think, this is why I'm so passionate about it, because this, this multi-man match, as well as all the matches on the event as well, let's not forget them, mm-hmm. everything that happened, I thought, you know what? This is why I enjoy wrestling. This is what makes me like it. It's an event like this. I got to see so many wrestlers, so many things, so many different styles. And as you said, it was a crossing of a golden era into a nineties. Uh, I wouldn't say it was a, as I said, I wouldn't say a cliche like passing with the torch. It was almost like a, cro- a crossover period, like passing ships. Uh-huh. Almost. Yeah. Uh, it was almost like the cusp before things started to get really, really not patronising, but before the outside world started to tell me I was an idiot for liking professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. I feel like everyone gets that at some point in their life. Oh, definitely. Um, as a wrestling fan, you, like, I'll get the, my friends who will still talk to me and they'll go, oh, it's not as good as it used to be. Like, yeah. Now it's, it's like, maybe what the fans were saying that, yeah, when you were younger, yeah. well, it's not as good as the 80s. Yeah, that's For guys like myself and Jake, it'll be like, ah, yeah, but it's not as good as that. Like, again, the golden age of the mm. attitude era. It's like, it's always put up on this pedestal. When I, was, when I started primary school and the people traded wrestling cards, there was a big emphasis on how important this was and uh, seeing Earthquake, again, mentioning Earthquake, hitting seated sentons on people and I thought, this is barbaric, how could this be, how could this be allowed? And I saw more and more wrestling and I thought, wow, we really genuinely, I mean, we were children, but we held these men in high regard. Mm-hmm. To see adults that, that we knew could, you know, like, barely make a flight of steps mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes or complaining about growing older, telling us that these men were nothing, we thought, nope, Definitely not. But I think Royal Rumble 93 was the, the best part for me to go, there you go. There's a testament of strength. There's a testament of uh, of uh, endurance. 
So don't knock these men down. How wrong I would be in about two or three years' time. <laughs> there would be plumbers and all sorts of interesting things. And now it's even got to the extent where that's maybe frowned upon as a, a way to market a wrestler, but they still did it. And I think but soon the attitude era would appear, but by then I so fiercely defended wrestling. But if anyone was to say today, what is your favourite pay-per-view? I'd probably still say Raw Rumble 93. I like that. I'm sticking to your guns. Yeah, yeah. and I wouldn't yeah. let it go because they could go, oh, <laughs> I heard there was so much nonsense back then. Well, go back and have a look. Yeah. Go back and have a look and you'd see Rick Martel. You'd see Bob Backlund. You would see Max Moon, but you'd know the man who was underneath the mask. I would assume people would know who that was. Uh, people would look at Damien Demento people, and odd characters, but at the same time realise that was when wrestling sold itself as a really good... A product, a mix of sport, theatre, superheroes, supervillains, and marketable, watchable uh, talent. Yeah. Variety yeah. show, isn't it? Yeah. I think the best wrestling's always variety, <clears throat> variety show. Of course. I mean, it's, it's what sets it apart from any other combat sport. It's the thing that, it's the reason why people come. Like, you come for the larger than life personalities, you come for the pageantry. Mm-hmm. And that it, it happens at every level, from all the way up to the, the big companies, down to the local levels like us. Yeah, and the, it's the reason why people keep coming back and forth. If people would just want to see a fight, they would go outside a pub yeah. on a Saturday night and just Dundee. watch two dudes just just go at each other. Yeah. But they don't. They come for not just the fight itself, but the reason as to why people fight as well. Yeah. And that's again what wrestling is all about it's it's not just about the fight itself it's about why you have made this commitment mm-hmm. to fight and it's it's uh, multifaceted as well the people will find a different element of a wrestler multitude of wrestlers that are different they'll find an element of something they like they'll have someone they support someone whose style they prefer someone whose size and shape they think is, is uh, an advantage towards the the actual competition, and then they gain a degree of catharsis by watching people struggle in the same way that people now like uh, their online recreational outrage. It's a form of catharsis. But as a child who knew the world was bigger and badder than him, who had to learn his, his, his way to survive in it, seeing wrestling opened up a whole new uh, a whole new door where I thought, if this is the height of a human endeavour, then I want to be part of it. Nice. And I, I like... I like what I see. So if you're going to be a part of it, which you are and obviously have done, and you could pick any person in history, wrestler, non-wrestling, living dead, to team with you as a mm-hmm. tag maybe as part of the Neo Paradigm, perhaps. who would you pick? I think you guys might be shocked, or perhaps anyone listening will go, what? But this is important to me, and there's wrestlers I know that have wrestled for 20 years, 40 years, and they could probably bring, they would more than likely bring back a dead colleague. Mm-hmm. But my greatest goal, when I started to watch wrestling in 1994, my friend who introduced me showed me wrestling. Now, I'd known about it when I was a bit younger, and it was late. Okay, it was the late 80s, right? Oh, I'm in primary school. We're trading wrestling cards, and I thought, this looks disgusting. What are these men doing? Why does this man have a weapon? He's a barbarian. Why is he allowed to use it? And as I said, I, I saw... Uh, cards and stickers of earthquake crushing people and I thought he can't be allowed to do that that's not fair why is he not in his own weight class Mm. that was how I was annoyed and I thought no I refuse to like it but at that time we're going into the 90s wrestling was still quite a big deal I didn't understand why Robbie Robbie, Robbie, 
Rob, Robbie Piper, his brother. <laughs> Why Roddy Piper... The one who was actually Scottish. Yes. <laughs> Why Roddy Piper was so uh, almost unhinged, like things, like rules didn't apply to him, and then I've actually met him in real life when he was over in Scotland, and he actually was unhinged, so there you go. Uh, he still owes Randy Valentine £30 for weed as well, as far as I know. Anyway. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. I wouldn't imagine that would... Uh, be the case now, but yeah. it maybe was back then. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, so if I look back then, I didn't like wrestling. And then only a couple of years later, my friend introduced me to it, and I saw Adam Bomb. Nice. Or, uh, mm-hmm. or whatever guy, well, he was Adam Bomb at the time, and I was completely captivated by watching wrestling. My friend Lee, who is now a, a musician, and, and seems to live a reasonably modest life, we spoke for years about being part of wrestling and as boring as this might sound is I'd always hoped that when I started to train he'd join me but I started to train to wrestle on my own I mean I would, oh there we go there's that picture of Adam there Bomb because I thought he looked really cool hopefully at this point on the YouTube version of the, the podcast Billy Strachan will put up a picture of Adam let's Bomb so. let's, make, if, let's make Billy do some work on, if, on the edit Billy, Billy will have to listen to the whole show yeah. however uh, you can see the goggles there you can see the man's uh, outfit and as much it's, as everything is uh, themed around an atomic explosion and like a nuclear uh, destruction of the human race still pretty cool yeah, especially yeah. for a child who so his first match was I think the guy who was called Tony DeVito as well was the the, the other man that was thrown in the match with him, I think just to be thrown about, Adam Bomb came out with all this light, all these lights behind him, and it was just really the superstars, uh, a very odd uh, kind of tube lighting set that was yeah. set up. He came out, and I thought, wow, he's, he has different coloured eyes. He almost looks like he's locked out of a nuclear explosion. This is almost like Duke Nukem, and not just Duke Nukem, the the uh, character from the games I mean like Duke Nukem from Captain Planet I thought this is incredible this guy's cool and then I was hooked yeah. I watched that match and I thought I need to see more I need to, I want to see who else there is but the guy that got me hooked was my friend Lee and he had a cool second name still does Blades is his second Lee name Blade. that's a great Blade, wrestling, yeah. that's a great wrestling name and it's better than the, the retail park Ace Fire or whatever kids call themselves these days <laughs> when they wrestle or I say kids grown adults as yeah. well out there for anyone who's got a stupid name and you know who you are, right? Uh, anyhow, Lee and I spoke a lot, and Lee was the person that kind of educated me about wrestling, and he told me lots and lots of things about it, and it's a quite a nostalgic thing for me, as a lot of things are now, to look back and think, we spoke about what our tag team moves would be. Nice. And everyone out there, I'm sure you can think of, when you and your friend, friend, friend sat down to watch a wrestling event and you planned your tag team moves, you spoke about what you would do, you had your name, you had your, your gear, you drew pictures, you drew logos. We created so many wrestlers, drew the logos, drew them, cut them out of paper, made them fight, and then eventually when we were old enough and we were brave enough, we tried to wrestle ourselves and we spent years uh, coming up with ideas, characters, moves, all these things. And then when we fell out of touch, we didn't tell the other that we'd taken our wrestlers off into different directions <laughs> and started to come up with our own ideas but every time we'd we'd meet after it we'd think shall we bring it all back and sit in place like uh, the attitude game whatever it was called Warzone that was the other one and make, Classic. That was my make these characters oh, that was so hard though oh, oh yeah. god I was a Smackdown 2 guy back then yeah, I, well, couldn't, I couldn't hack Warzone and uh, 
Well, we we played them, and we created our characters where we could. But we also would go into WCW Views the World, mm. and select our favorite characters that matched the wrestlers we'd made up and matched the finishing moves. Mm-hmm. And I guess when the opportunity arose for me to become a wrestler, I, I told him, and he, he was like he, I had bought some pink ring trousers that had my very first ring trousers that had the an open flower but within the flower was the uh, chambers of a, a gun and I would say it was just a kind of standard pistol but the the name of this logo was Roulette Blossom which I thought was brilliant and it was on a big pair of pink trousers and obviously he'd come round to my house I was away in Portugal but this delivery had appeared my parents found it wondered why I'd ordered a pair of pleather trousers with that design on it and he knew exactly he's like is this going to be your gear when you become a wrestler and he didn't say it us, he said me, and that should have been the first point of me understanding that he would then go on to like still watch wrestling, we'd still talk about it. But when I got close to debuting, and I told him that I would, I was no wrestling, I was no training. He was happy for me, but I thought, can I encourage you to be part of it? And he came to a training session, and it wasn't a very well attended training session. But he sat down in one of the uh, training session at W3L Worldwide Wrestling League he sat down on one of the comfy couches that we used to have in the facility and I said go on stand in the ring we'd always spoke about standing in the ring together and he was with his girlfriend at the time and he's, he kept saying no no I'm fine with that don't want to knock my contact lenses out don't want to you know, make a mess of the canvas and I thought you're going for every single excuse and I felt like I was putting him on the spot but every single time I tried to bring him towards wrestling the thing he'd brought me towards he'd back off and I realised fan and wrestler but in some reality, somewhere, I would have hoped that Lee and I could have been attacking. Yeah, I'd have loved to have started with him because he got me involved. He made me like it. He got me involved with it. We played through a fantasy wrestling league that we created. We played all the wrestling games. We our uh, our lives usually spoke through high school. We had a secret code that usually went through. Uh, sometimes it was just odd language, but other times it was through wrestling. At the time, it would have been memes, but we were we were ahead of memes. But it would be like a, rest, a code that would involve wrestling, move names, spots, different. Like there'd be people speaking to us, and what, uh, somebody might walk past, and uh, Lee would go, "Oh wow, Lance Storm!" And it would be the haircut the guy had looked entirely like Lance Storm's hair. Or he might have, like, he might be standing with his hands behind his back, like Lance Storm would in the WCW uh, era that he had, where he won lots of championships. And I thought we know that banter better than anybody and we'd make the other one laugh yeah. it would have been amazing to have seen him join me and after 17 years of him constantly saying I haven't seen it's absolutely shocking that I've not come and seen you wrestle it's absolutely shocking that we've not met up and I think because every time we do I begin to realise just how different we are yeah. you're still a fan and you watch AEW you watch WWE and you'll tell me about it whereas I wrestle on local shows or I wrestled in England and when I was wrestling in Germany you gave me a well done but you were never interested to come and see it but you could have been part of it yeah. and then I realised who would I be now if I had started with a tag team partner that I was determined to work alongside but if we're allowed that interest in reality like you've said Pat yeah. then perhaps I would have experienced that but then I guess I wouldn't have been allowed to be so selfish yeah. <laughs> throughout so my now this, this alternative reality of FCW where you and Lee are the tag champions Tom, I would have, I'd have loved that. Tom is the junior heavyweight champion, and Adam Baum is the heavyweight. Champion. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> That's the. That'd have been so Full good. form Neil Paradise. <laughs> I mean, first of all, in all realities, 
game on, they're still tag champions. <laughs> but it's going to be 100% honest here. But I also think it's a. Uh, I also think that's probably one of the most sort of personal answers to that yeah, question. Yeah. As well. I felt it was necessary too because a lot of people look to wrestlers and I think, well, they're still just human beings. As much as I viewed them years ago as men plus, they were beyond the, the idea of masculinity or the idea of strength I had when I was young. I would have wanted to have gone into something with the guy that introduced me to it. Even if we were not to stay a tag team, it would have been really good to have had a journey alongside him. And I think I wouldn't even have been jealous if he'd gone further than me. I would have been happy to support it. But then I think I began to realise that my burning desire, as I've spoken about, my passion for it, that took over. And I thought, if you won't start with me, I will start alone and I will go as far as I can. And now I've got tons of friends that can't wait to start wrestling or they have their excuses like, oh, I would, but I'm a sparky. I've got three daughters, I'm married. And I think, well, that's the, that's the excuse of a man who still wants to watch wrestling and be a fan and have his comfortable family life and only just wants to pretend to play wrestler at the weekend. That's absolutely fine if you want to do that. But the wrestling business will chew you up and spit you out. I think it's also uh, interesting to note um, when we had uh, Tom on our show... Uh, when we asked him the same question, he instantly picked yourself. How do you think he might react that you maybe didn't pick him? Do you think that, that well, might be a... As our team just now, I have always thought that Tom had a great deal of uh, potential and a great deal of heart. But he was, well, I would barely say he was mollycoddled, he wasn't. Because when he trained to be a wrestler, he was spoken down to like he was a fool. Now he is a fool, but in an endearing way is Tom has a great deal of, uh, as I said, he has a great deal of heart and he'll probably feel really offended because he takes a lot to heart, which is why he's reacted in the way he has recently, where he's biting back. But then so did I. But nobody came along to to bully me and test me to get the worst out of me so that I could find the best in myself. And that's what we've got with Tom just now because if Tom had just stayed as happy and as malleable as he was, people would abuse him because say in 10 years time Tom would be in his early 30s going I've wasted 10 years of my life going into things without the the, the need to grab and to steal and to, and to achieve for myself I've simply just kept myself to myself and been happy and that's why I felt like I needed to pursue him and I'd say you could call it bullying because he, he wouldn't call it that but people would because people like to as we say have their recreational online outrage I thought the only way I'm going to get anything out of Tom is if I push him and I need to push him till he snaps and then when he snaps he'll put himself back together again he'll be stronger and he'll keep going forward so this is another one of these things Tom I've had a longer life than you and I've had a lot worse experiences within wrestling so far and your worse experiences or your, your bad experiences they're going to appear without me needing to be there so you can cry all you want <laughs> as far as I'm concerned you know that I think very highly of you and I think you've got a great deal of potential but I'm not going to mollycoddle you at all I'm not going to I'm going to watch you back but I'm not going to tell you everything you want to hear you're going to have to find that and you're going to have to achieve that because nobody gave me anything uh, nobody wanted to only when I was riding high only when my name was seen in various places that people wanted to be a part of then I was important but Tom in a couple of years time say even a month time you might find something else that's better and you'll drop me like a bad habit so You've got to understand that whilst what we've got is really strong, it's also quite finite as well. I mean, it might be finite. It might be something that 
It might, it might be the case that you might be training them a little bit too well at points, but that's something that's going to come into well come into fruition if it is going to come into fruition. I think as well, I would be disappointed if Tom didn't talk back to me at some point. But that's what I'm preparing him for, and that's what I've been doing the whole time. Is that if Tom Atlas in the next ten years becomes a a, a kind of a stalwart within Scottish wrestling, I'll be proud, and he can hate me as much as he wants. But right now. I will support him and I will help him, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to take his hand and cradle him throughout wrestling. Otherwise, that won't make him a wrestler. So, Tom, that's why you're not mentioned. But perhaps you can look back and think you chose me because you again you've defied the neo paradigm symbol as you saw it. And you fought against it, but eventually it came for you. Such as ruin does. Just make the best use of your time before you find that ruin has begun to take over everything you know. And that you can't build anymore, you're only going to destroy. I hope you understand that. Speaking of destroying, it might be a good way to segue into our next question, which is, if you could have a match against anyone, living or dead, who would you pick as your opponent to well, destroy? I have said this before uh, on other interviews and other podcasts, but I will pick Adrian Street. Now, people usually pick Adrian Street because of the the utter fabulousness of what he what he did but they know that the man underneath that exterior was also quite grizzled and quite uh, full on but my mindset would be I would match his frivolity and his fabulousness with another degree of pageantry and performance and I think it would be almost like a it would it'd be like a mad parade of who could outdo the other. I would I would hope so. And of course, we'd probably get to the ring and he'd try and pull my arms and legs off. But then that's where his grizzled uh, exterior kind of comes through. But there's a degree of sass that I, I think would be 100% from both men in that exchange. And I, I would, I'd like to be part of it because I wouldn't, I wouldn't care for a defeat. But I think people would begin to see almost a, a kind of a, a Shilton anime level of sass power that would raise its way I probably wouldn't ignite the entire stadium if it was a stadium if it was just a local show and such as the Tower Institute I think it would tear the house down because people would see what they thought was a oh that's quite that's quite sassy no that's quite sassy okay now we've reached a high level of fabulousness everyone be on high alert we are about to slip into the like another plane of existence like two coked up peacocks trying to murder each other oh definitely and I think people would They'd all, it's almost like you could imagine the battle of God and Satan at the end of the, or Ragnarok at the end of time because it wouldn't be through a kind of a, a fiery inferno no it would be a fabulous neon sparkling uh, twisting nether I'd imagine a proper celestial pulse bursting through uh, an arena and we probably wouldn't have to land a single punch before anything had started you know well before obviously when things started that was what would happen I'm sure but before things started it would. I think attention would rise, as to say, as to, for the audience and everyone else to say, who is the more fabulous man? Where are things going to go? Where is this frivolity going to end? Because I know for a fact I would go all out on an entrance. There would be a poll, and I would do something. I would have dancers. I would have uh, the toy performers like I've done. There would be neon. There would be a light show. There would be some kind of epic story as I make my way to the ring. There will be an entire lore spilled out before an audience. And I think, okay. Adrian, get your, go and get your eyeliner on. Go and show me that you can do better. And if he does, then fair play to him. If he can't, then that's because the sass is on my side. I think. 
the real winner be who gets complained about more online? I think so, yes. <laughs> or at least it'd definitely be the, the audience would possibly never ever see anything so fabulous again. Yeah. It's, uh, it it kind of makes me think a little bit of the quote from um, Megamind. Uh, obviously not as intellectual a quote as we've had before, mm-hmm. but uh, the difference between being a villain and being a super villain is presentation. Yes, presentation. And I think that, that that's why I say the crowd would wonder what was going to happen before any punch or any blow was thrown, any move was done. But I think we'd, we'd already have had an effect by the time we came out. We definitely would have a whole audience paying attention because they'd want to know, is this Cirque du Soleil? Mm-hmm. Where, what is happening next? And I think that would be good to keep them there because as I say, whatever the result ended up being, I think they'd be with us. Because human beings like to stand and stare, or sit and stare, they like to do that. So, yeah. That's why, I'd, that's, why that's my pick. We've done that before, arguably, when you wrestled uh, Caleb in the Ironman match. Like, you had the crowd hooked before a punch was thrown there. Yeah. You went through, like, your... Uh, it reminded me instantly of when um, Chris Jericho did it in the early AEW days, where it was like they went through all of his various personas. Yeah. And then, you know, like, cause I've, I've, I've only been really well... Not... not that well educated in like the, the Scottish scene in terms of this part of the country until I joined uh, Dundee Academy Pro Wrestling so I'm learning more all the time so it was interesting for me and it would have been interesting for a lot of people that maybe don't know your work before yeah. FCW to see like alright so this is like the journey Ewan's been on through his career and now he's got to yeah. this point and he's a champion and he's defending against Caleb, well, Caleb at the time he defending against and you got the pageantry of Caleb's entrance as well which in itself can get a crowd up and then he, even he brought it up so yeah. before you guys had thrown a punch in that Ironman match you already had everyone there you go you have the element of something that's theatrical something that the audience can see and that we can to an extent relate to not like a a reaction from the computer yeah which gives us all a very different reaction I I thought I'd fix that I'll these guys don't worry about it I think that was uh, me who uh, did that during our little sound test uh, we, uh, we take our podcast incredibly seriously and uh, try and test out all the equipment. But yeah. I, do, I do need to get a new laptop, and when I do, it'll be fine. I'm sure <laughs> as a tiny little blip on a, what's already quite long, because I speak yeah. for a while. Oh, no, I, I, was, I, was, I was looking I forward know. to this because I enjoy long-form podcasts like this. Oh, okay. And if, if anything, it's, it's been genuinely fascinating. I mean, like, um, when, we've had, uh, when we've had other people on the podcast who are, for lack of better words, more nefarious in the eyes of our viewers... Uh, it usually comes with like a lot of bad attitude. It comes yeah. with a lot of uh, like they don't want to be here. Like they don't want to be here. But it's it's kind of fascinating with yourself. You seem uh, not just keen to be here, but very amicable, very much. Because uh, I've I've heard what you gentlemen have had to say about me in the past. But then it would it would be uh, rude of me to to damage what is your uh, forum to. Uh, collect and explore information about not only just the wrestling world but FCW as well. So, uh, and I would be missing out on an opportunity to state how I feel if I if I came on here to be uh, disagreeable, I wouldn't get the opportunity to talk. That's which true. is why our audience at FCW know me. Some of them know me from outside, just as you said. Mm-hmm. And when Caleb entered in the Ironman match, there's a, a good way to bring it back to the to the topic at hand. We had theatre. And this is a, arguably a great part. Uh, this podcast is arguably a great way for me to express myself in ways that people don't always see in the ring. But then it, it'll make a lot more sense when you understand my opinions and feelings as that does lead to my actions. And as they, they can be, as you've said, nefarious. They can be uh, questionable at times. There is entirely a reason for them. 
So we had the theatrical elements of myself and Caleb Valhalla, the seafaring cookie monster, entering the uh, the venue, or entering the where the ring was, the function suite in the Tulloch Institute, and the audience were already drawn in. And of course, people looking at the size difference were expecting, and in fact, I've uh, managed to get a reaction out of him that no one else has done in Scottish wrestling. I've reduced him to grinning, babbling simpleton. I mean, he already wasn't really a, a kind of intellectual juggernaut to begin with. But Caleb had always been seen as a strong figure within Scottish wrestling. People have genuinely cowered, and I thought, it's not fear I'm feeling, Caleb. It's it's boredom, and you're you're allowed to to run around and be as primal and as like kind of berserk as you want. I wouldn't have got this far in professional wrestling against men in size uh, if I hadn't found a way of dealing with them. So I think the audience maybe knew that, but the audience suspected this because I wouldn't have come out and sort of kind of frivolously or like extravagantly displayed all my old guises as if to go, this is what I was, but what I am now is probably the best I've ever been. At least the happiest I've ever been. Maybe not the best, but... So yeah, that's the same kind of thing. If Adrian Street could have pulled me apart like warm bread in a wrestling contest, he'd never forget when he'd see the green and black at the entrance, uh, whether he's behind the curtain or he's in, in already in the ring, because he'd be asking the questions like everyone else would be asking, what is you and G Maggie going to do? And what have I got myself in store? Or what have I got myself uh, involved with? So, and what would I have in store? Well, I'm not telling you. A lot of wrestlers make the mistake of discussing their plans out loud. And sometimes I do a little bit of that, but I don't tell you everything. I would be stupid. Sorry, next That's question. Okay. We've got our final question of, of doom, as we call them. Uh, sorry, no, my, my final question. You've got the final question. There's been another question. Uh, is there any other profession that you would have liked to have pursued you in if you hadn't gone down the route of professional wrestling? You know, that's a good question, because I had... Again, I'll try and keep this quite short, but my again, it's a nostalgia thing kick, would kick in. And I'd always wanted to, I guess, be helpful in a way. When I was younger, uh, I thought maybe I would own a shop. Maybe I would sell things to people that they needed. Would it be maybe trinkets, perhaps? like? And then I thought, what if I was a treasure collector? Because I've always collected. And I thought, wouldn't it be good to find rare and extravagant uh, items, could be uh, talismans, idols, and I thought that would be fantastic. But then I also, I had many ambitions when I was younger. These days I find it very hard, like I, I did want to, and I did study uh, theatre and contemporary performance when I was in university, as you can maybe tell, but there would have been no money there, I felt. I, it might, I might have been constantly pursuing something that was doomed to fail. So if I go back and I think about the, the collecting element, I would really like to almost be a treasure hunter. Mm-hmm. As silly as it sounds. I mean, any profession, it would be great. I love adventuring. I love exploring. And uh, I don't know how viable it is. If I think when I was younger, I would have loved to have done voices for cartoon characters <laughs> as well. Or at least have been probably played a part of my favourite Transformer or my favourite uh, Visionaries character or something like that. But this is because I grew up when... 80s cartoons were just really long advertisements for toys but what it did was it triggered my imagination so really if I think about the treasure hunting and that maybe not being survival but the one thing I can do and would have loved to have do or would want to have loved to have do loved to have done sorry that was me trying to swallow and speak at the same time 
I would have loved to have really had the passion like I used to to write because I used to write a lot of stories uh, and I have loads of little stories I've written and I did think for a while of releasing them as a small book to sell at FCW events but I find my uh, my commitment to that has kind of uh, dropped slightly I, I start to second guess a lot of my work and a lot of things that I'd write and I did write plays I, I wrote loads of plays but not because I wanted them to be performed and I was some big actor or director it was more of a I'd think of a story and I would think about what I might like to see and then I'd think well what, what would people uh, what, what would maybe connect with somebody and I realised that yeah if I could have been a writer I'd have loved to have done that because then I could have just sat and used this imagination, the idea of maybe being a collector, a treasure hunter, an explorer, a, a robot, a cartoon character, something from another place. Not because our existence is uh, a dull or a boring <laughs> like a collection of mon evolved monkeys on a rock in the middle of uh, you know space. It's more that that we can we can almost escape, and I'm not somebody that just buries himself with the mindless escapism but it would be great to create a little satisfying story that needs no uh, big message or conclusion it would just be great to open up uh, an opportunity for other people's minds to think yeah wouldn't that be clever wouldn't that, that was a good story I felt content I'm satiated with this need for because that's what was provided to me was this element of when I watched TV and I read books and I thought I want to do this I want to be creative and give people a little journey but I did do that I did that within professional wrestling. I gave them monsters. I gave them heroes. I gave them uh, like manifestations, uh, transformations. When I did pr uh, promotional videos where I disappeared or I, I set aside a, a, a moment to maybe scare people without, with, with, not with horror tropes, but decided I want to scare people. I want to be unsettling. That's why I've deliberately gone to this length to be unsettling. I want to evoke and encourage emotions. So it has kind of worked throughout wrestling. I just wish I had a, a really good writing career or a really good script writing career to, to fall back on and, and see some of the stories outside of wrestling come to life. That would have been really good. Unfortunately, I don't think now, at almost 40 years old, I'll manage to get on a good run with something like that. But you never know. Maybe I'll I'll write some of the things. I, I, put a lot of wrestlers on card journeys through the experience of listening to my short tales and they're not they're too polite they won't say we don't like it but I think they understand where I'm coming from is that I think a story's maybe better if it's given in bite-sized chunks because it makes you want a lot more I mean that being said um, there was a time many years ago where oh, maybe not too far too far off in the past but I remember being one of those wrestlers in the car listening to one of these stories and I'll be honest, I was genuinely enthralled with what I heard. I was... I waited to... And this was just the synopsis. This wasn't like the, sort of the full story as it was, but I remember one of those stories. Um, it, was about a, it was about a wishing tree. Yes, the wishing tree. I do remember that one, and it's it's something that I think about quite a lot. Um, and sort of leading into this, uh, our final question, it's, it's quite interesting because... So for our final question, we usually ask, why do you wrestle? But it's quite interesting that throughout all of our other questions, you've kind of answered that in its own sort of way. But we will ask the question because we uh, we put this forward to everybody mm -hmm. uh, so that you can put it into your own 
proper words as well uh, as people listening to your sort of analysis of the other questions and your answers to those. So for a final question, Ewan, why do you wrestle? I think I wrestle now because I it became a bad habit. But it wasn't always that way. It started as an adventure. It started as the beginning of a story and it was exciting to... to it. I, I went in almost... It was almost like, a, I guess, a, an RPG. I went in poorly levelled with all my stats mixed up. It was a min-max going on, <laughs> I think, and uh, you'll appreciate that. <laughs> I knew you would. But, the, but then I realised that the more I refined what I did the more results I was getting and I would look I would look ahead to other wrestlers or look back at other wrestlers and think I can't compare myself to him her them have I failed and sometimes there's always a wrestler that's bigger and stronger or they're a lot more agile they're a lot healthier they're a lot more well known and if you start to grade yourself on the same levels you're grading them you'll never ever be happy and so when I became happy, wrestling almost went, no, you can't have this. How dare you be happy? We'll find another way of pushing you down. And I thought, I already have so many disadvantages going into this business. You're, you won't give me this tiny little bit of happiness I've got. And so it became a bad habit that every time I was too small, there I was as a too small wrestler in the ring in the... the was it called? The Albert Halls in Stirling. With a whole crowd chanting my name. And I thought, you know what? I'll make them chant my name because I'm in a good mood. And I'm I'm here as an underdog in this match. A couple of years later, I'll be here making you hate me. But I'll make every single one of you hate me. And there's big wrestlers in the back there. Big wrestlers, big muscles, men that would be plucked for superstardom. That can barely get a reaction when they walk out. But you're the better one, aren't you? Mm. Aren't you? So I continued to do it, not because I was enjoying it that much anymore. I continued to do it because there was that little bit of happiness came back when I saw that John Fire, whose real name's probably Gary, who is a you know, he's likely an electrician or perhaps he's a waiter and a, like when he's not wrestling, how he needs to go out there and be a superhero to the people, much like the wrestlers I saw when I was younger. Whereas you and G Mackey was you and G Mackey and they'd recognise him in the street. They'd recognise his merch, they'd recognise him on the poster. And I thought, so I don't matter, do I? Well, if I better keep doing this then, I better keep showing you up. And that's why now it's a bad habit. I think I got to a point where I was, I'll exhaust all my resources within wrestling to say I gave it a good go and I was a good hand. And if you don't think so, fine, that's your opinion. It's my opinion that matters at the end of it. And I need to be happy before I go. And it's not to say that I'll get, become happy and then I'll disappear. I just need to get that little bit of happiness back. Because when I found it, I held on to it. And it was almost like grains of sand falling through my fingers. So why I wrestle now is to show everyone I still can. But also, I keep having ideas. And I feel like I won't be able to rest until I've tried this. And the more that that happens, the more it gives birth to other ideas. And it's a constant lineage of ideas that continue on and on and on. As you probably understood, I could just I could just stop. But as I've answered all of these questions, the, there's obviously still some life there in how I'm feeling. And as much as I've been down or I've, I've, I've misbehaved or I've, I've tried to sabotage my own career, 
something is always sparked back into life. And I think it's really interesting because we know certain people. I could mention his name, but I don't want to give him the like oxygen of publicity. Every time wrestling falls apart for him by his own means, because he's a philanderer, he will jump to another. Tried to add me on Facebook today as well. He will jump to another wrestling promotion, and his morals go completely out the window because he needs wrestling. It's where he can bury his insignificance. He becomes somebody. But for me, I'm somebody outside of wrestling and within wrestling as well. But if wrestling said to me in one sect, we don't want you, I'd go, well, I'll find another place because I've never belonged within it anyway. So I was, I've, I've, not, I've stopped trying. But what I feel is so kind of passionate and strong that if it has life and it has legs, it will take root almost like mould in another promotion, in another place. Because people aren't going to forget my face because... That's why I don't need to wear a mask now. Or a bear costume, let's be honest. I didn't. I don't need to do that. I do that so people pay attention. I don't need to do that. Because what I am, and who I've grown to be, seeps out of my pores, and I can't stop it. The, the day where I stop doing things wrestling-related is the day that everyone will stop and say, oh, I quite like that. When's you and G. Mackey coming back? And that'll be when it matters. It's like Alfred Jury, the father of absurdism. Now people go, oh, he was a genius. And I think he was a short Frenchman who you know, owned a gun and owned a very odd uh, proportioned house uh, and wrote a lot of absurdist plays and drank absinthe constantly and shot people. So he was nuts and a nuisance at the time. He referred to his uh, bike as that which rolls. Uh, he was definitely mental, but now people in people surrealists, absurdist people in theatre look back and go, but this was the starting of something, and I hope that maybe 40 years after I've stopped wrestling, someone will find my old stuff and go, hey, I've had an idea. And that means my purpose is, is, has, has been fulfilled, mm -hmm. I think. So wrestling's not, I'm going to decide when I'm done, unless I break my neck, and then that's that. But wrestling will constantly try to push me out, as I say, like mould. I will forever slink back in in some way and take take hold. Not because I'm manipulative or nasty, it's more because I can't help myself and that will happen. But I don't think I can build anymore. I do think I tear down a lot easier, which is why I am, a, I guess, a servant of ruin, I would call it. I wish I could build, I wish I could provide, but I can't, so I choose not to. And, and why would I, if the thing I'm good at is the tearing down part? But like life, uh, as Jeff Goldblum says, in Jurassic Park life finds a way and my ideas seem to find a way I'm not saying my ideas are life I'm just saying that's the life that's still in me so I wrestle because that's still there and it's possibly a half full glass of it we're coming to the end of it but we're not done we're not done yet I think one day that life will go that will be sapped out but I hope the lasting effect has a, a big bang effect on a, a new generation of people there we go. And that's again like a, a very a very well thought out and very succinct bit. Not and not just thinking about why you wrestle now, but the implication that that can have for the future as well. And oh, I I want to I want to make a note of saying like this is probably been the longest that it's taken to get through the five questions of June because we always say that it's quick fire questions. But oh, I don't mind that. I've genuinely been enthralled with every answer. It's it's mm -hmm. it wouldn't be a podcast with me. Uh, with quick questions if that's quick 
how long will I talk about other things <laughs> asks the audience and Billy who has to edit this whole thing but then he won't really mind because I'm Billy's dad's favourite wrestler there we go that's a t-shirt although yes. it is the case that it is not uh, it's not Billy who edits down these podcasts we do have Flash who is Patrick's tortoise yes he is um, that hand on uh, audacity is there various he's, other he's in the room with us right yeah. now he is currently in the room we should maybe provide some more pictures for the audience as well because oh well I'll, I'll no problems uploading some, some flash photos full frontal <laughs> some yeah. full frontal flash some flash photography of, oh yes why didn't the, oh, that took far too long to get to that one <laughs> <laughs> but right we do have a show to promote we do indeed so this is where we get into the meat of the card. That was just the starter that we've had there with you yeah. for the last. That was a, yeah. That yeah. was the the entree. Yeah. We're about to move into the main course, uh, which is the card for our uh, the next FCW show, which will take place in the Talk Institute yeah. on the thirteenth of October, Friday, Friday the thirteenth. Arguably the biggest per show of the the calendar. Yeah, it's one of our it's one of the biggest FCW shows in that it is going to be the Fair City Rumble. Yeah. So uh, and a few people might have just realised if they haven't already why we asked you to come on the podcast this month yeah. with the Fair City Rumble coming up because of course. You won the Game Changer briefcase I in did. last year's First City Rumble. Yes, I did. Which I think annoyed a lot of people. Mm. But only because, like, I, I believe I probably said to them, if, if, dear listener, if you want to go back and watch that uh, event, it's on the First City Wrestling YouTube channel. You just have to make your way back a couple of events to find it. But as I came out to the ring... And I have no shame to say this. Initially, I thought, yeah, you know what, I'll go and I'll graft. I'll go in at 24, that's a good chance. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I've been in this game a long time. There's younger guys in there, they're probably going to hit me hard and I'll just uh, you know, throw them out. I've not got time to waste. And I went in there and got a taste of everything and thought, actually, why am I wasting my time? But initially, before the event, I thought, yeah, okay, I'll graft. I'll go ahead and I'll do it. And then a couple of days before it, I thought, well, that's what I'll make it for one thing anyway and I took my opportunity which was to go underneath the ring and that's a lot can be said about the uh, the perception of the crowd in attendance because nobody knows they've done it and I'm usually somebody who commands attention when I'm in the room but so it's an achievement for myself to become entirely invisible for at least 15-20 minutes <laughs> I care disappeared underneath the ring but only because for the last couple of years I've watched young aspiring wrestlers tell us their strategy for a rumble match well Tom Atlas did that he exactly. said he was going to go from 1 to 30 he was, which going, is, to, he was going to run the gauntlet he was going to be the Iron Man exactly which is a really hard shift and an utterly stupid thing that Tom would announce to a whole roster full of people who quite happily wanted to powerbomb him or to beat him up in some way utterly stupid it's almost like opening your door to a street full of criminals saying I have a PS5 I also have a, you know, a, a wonderful wedding ring and a nice car that I've left the keys in, in the ignition the criminals go ah ok well we're just going into our house enjoy your sleep you know and before you know it your house has been burgled that's entirely what Tom did he told everyone what he wanted to do so everyone knew what his intent was decided to beat him up for it I didn't tell anybody what I was going to do I just knew that I'll, I'll feign some kind of uh, injury or not so much an injury but I'll find some kind of discomfort get out of the ring get out of the way and just watch as everyone else did the work for me and 
idiots, all of them. They were all punters, all fans of their own ability to last in the ring with different bodies, different strengths, different skill sets. They all thought they were going to be the Iron Man, the Superman. But you know who was thinking with a real solid ironclad brain was me. And the one person that people probably would have thought, oh, you're not manage. He's just a silly little man. Well, the silly little man walked in and threw a sillier, <laughs> younger man out of the ring. I didn't need to brush shoulders with, with anyone, really. The other person I do remember exchanging blows with was Zach Dynamite, and I poked him in the eye, and uh, and we all know where that's gone. Yeah. I mean, well, um, for those of you who don't know, uh, put it in layman's terms, the first set of Rumble is essentially a combination of uh, the Royal Rumble and uh, Money in the Back briefcase. Uh, the winner of the match gets what we call the Game Changer briefcase. They can cash that in for a FCW Heavyweight Championship match anytime in any place, which is something that you went on to do as exactly, well. Exactly, yeah. yeah, I did. And when I won the, the Rumble, there were people booing, but people still raising up my own symbol, that warning symbol that says, watch out, this man has ill intent. And as kids, yeah, because we think we're like, gee, even though you're not pretending to be a pirate anymore, but did I deliver? Did, were you entertained? There's your movie reference. They were entertained, but they didn't know why. Because they'd seen somebody barely break a sweat, win a match with 29 other men, flippantly. Mm-hmm. And I just did it because I was proving to you it was all possible. Had I wanted, I'd still have got paid. I probably could have gone in and been out by 25. But that night I thought, you know what? My plan would probably work because everyone's so stupid and I'm not a narcissist to say that I just I was bored it was dull not the event the event was amazing but the the atmosphere reminded me that yeah they're all coming out there all the boys and the girls are coming out to show off their best feathers to everyone as we've mentioned Peacocks before everybody was going out there to impress and and try and be something tremendous whereas I thought if I play this really low key the biggest thrill I'll get is when I'm booed out of the building because they know I can do better, I know I can do better, but my my 20% won the match, so get it up you. And then a couple of months later, I teased constantly opportunities. I could come out and take away Caleb Valhalla's title. And of course, Tom interrupted that uh, in December. But that's only because I had to go to the extreme of tormenting him. Some people would say that you're not supposed to kidnap. He wasn't kidnapped for long. I wouldn't count that as a actual, you know, an actual crime. Tom needed to meet the discontent of the guys who supported me and I told them that, you know, they're all despiling wrestlers himself. Why do you think Tom Atlas is getting all the notice and you guys aren't? And they took it upon themselves to to bring him to me and I thought he could be part of a almost a theatrical performance, almost like a reveal because the audience won't know. I've said it's a sculpture but it really wasn't. It was just Tom tied to a chair but we... You know, they, they, everyone had been quite happy to laugh at Tom being thrown about. And, but no, as soon as I've got him there, somewhere I'm the bad one. But Tom had said a crime happened in the ring after the, the rumble, uh, that he was something was stolen from him. And I think, no, uh, well, here's a crime scene, and you're the victim. But the real victim is me, I feel. I'm being demonised for just using my brain. Had to make an example of Tom. And then come December, he's still a bit kind of bitchy and pathetic about it. He uh, and I wrestled. I went to show him that I'll take absolutely every opportunity, but not because I can't do it. I, I mean, what had I wanted, he tried to kick me in the face. I could have easily have uh, taken Tom's foot 
and shoved it in his own mouth. Had I wanted to, but I thought, here's my opportunity. He's struggling. He's trying to fight with me. He's trying to wrestle me. He's stronger than me, but I'm cleverer than him. So I'm just going to use all his weight on top of him, put him on the back of his neck, dump him there, pin him and leave. There you go, Tom. There's your big wrestling opportunity. And I've just pinned you in the most basic way because you missed kicking me in the face. So if we look at me cashing in with this briefcase, the opportunity was there. Johnny Lyons and Caleb Valhalla had already gone through each other. Individually, I've fought both men. Individually, I know what they can do. But on that point in the night, I'd already wrestled and I didn't want to waste any time. People probably thought, oh, we're going to get some kind of really competitive triple threat. I had no intention. I just wanted to ruin the match. And I did and won the belt and left and people booed. But what if Ewan G. Mackey had really put his heart out there and got folded up like a deck chair for two big men and still walked out with the championship? Or they'd cheer because they enjoyed watching my body be thrown about and broken. But they're happy. They're happy because I dug down deep and I did it. But I did that for years and I was still called a freak and a weirdo and I was still looked upon as some kind of comedy character. So I thought, well, maybe you don't deserve to have my best. Maybe I'll just do everything really simple to show it can be done. And with Scottish wrestling, I won't be on your top five wrestlers list, although I should be Billy. Uh, it'll be other names that no one knows. John Fire, Chris Water, whatever wrestler. The, the Retail Park, Ace Steel or something. Some absolute nonsense prefix. They'll, it'll all be there on your next top five list, whatever it is, Scottish Wrestling Network. And we'll see them. It'll be a new podcast for some wrestler I've never seen before in Scotland. You'll never see you and G. Mackey on these lists because nobody cares about what I'm doing. However, it has to be said, I waltzed in, proved I still had, at 20% of my efforts, the ability to clean house and sod off again. Normally, I probably would have celebrated it a lot more. I probably would have given the people more. I probably would have given the wrestlers more. just can't be bothered. And uh, if, if I'm so hopeless, how did I manage to do it? But as I say, about 20% of my effort. And they were still going... 100%, back and forward, back and forward. Tom trying to best me. And there I am, rolling him up, pinning him, and then walking away with the title later on that night by pinning Johnny Lyons. It's nonsense, absolute nonsense, but it made me happy. Maybe not the audience, but it made me happy. So there you go, and I don't know if you guys have speculations over who you think might manage it this year. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, Duke, if, uh, apart from yourself, I mean... Who are you going to be looking out for in that rumble? Who do you think is going to be one of the bigger threats in there? Because I know you're going to back yourself. I'm so you should. I mean, of course I am. I'm going to back myself. Yeah, I, uh, I like my chances as much as anybody likes their chances in there. Um, but I, it's very much sort of hard to say because, I mean, that's it's 30 people are going to be in that ring. And I'd say just below a championship. The Game Changer is one of the most prestigious things that you can achieve oh, in Cersei Wrestling. It, it literally is the Game Changer. It can swing everything in your favour just sort of instantly. Uh, and it's what probably one of the most precious commodities. I'd even say, arguably, it could be more important than a belt in the sense that you can take away someone's belt you can't really take away the game changer when you win it and then that is sort of constantly held over everything yeah you yeah. was like this you're like the sword of damocles almost last yeah. year like you're like taking away the power over the champion of being like maybe on top because 
Like at any moment, you could just swoop yeah. in and take it away. He wasn't free, and uh, Caleb was somebody that prides himself on being able to stand up to challenges. He was he was powerless, and, and it wouldn't matter if I'd chosen to perhaps cash in and he broke me in two minutes and my, uh, my cash in was ruined, that would be a different thing. But I was preparing for all sorts, and I thought the best thing to do is to let it season, let it simmer. Mm-hmm. Let's just see how he ticks, which is entirely how I operate these days. And people might say it was wrong to uh, almost taunt and tease, but it's what got the the best result for me. And that's why I think that people want that game changer because they many people would say they'd want to go for the FCW Heavyweight Championship, but there's a lot of pride in the junior heavyweight division. There will be women present as well that will probably want to go for that uh, FCW women's title and there will also be tag team wrestlers who have a lot of pride on their teamwork that want to go in and win the FCW tag team championship so really uh, there is an opportunity for everybody there for any as far as I understand any championship perhaps I'm wrong but everyone that's going in there has their own reasons for this glory that they're aiming for mine was just uh, last year was just to show it could be done mm-hmm. and uh, to show it didn't have to be done uh, in the way that everybody so traditionally and conventionally thinks it should be yet yeah, this year will be different there's a lot of there's a lot of new names and a lot of new wrestlers that will be involved I'm sure certainly a lot of bigger guys people are a lot wiser to of course someone disappearing underneath the ring I don't think that'll be done and if it is whatever wrestler has just had that idea don't worry I've already done it and it worked for me but it won't work for you so don't do it Right. I mean, I, th- I think it's going to be the one thing that everyone in the ring is going to be looking out People for. People will be wise yeah. to this year, I think. I think you've uh, you played that card well last year, but it might be uh, might not be so good this year if somebody tries it because they'll be yeah. expecting it. People are going to expect it, which is why I think Duke, in your case, you're fortunate you've got a teammate there. But how long is he going to be your teammate when he might have a different uh, ambition in that ring than you? He might. He might become an enemy I mean look, look I'm, <laughs> I know that I've been suckered in by your uh, silky smooth voice for most of this podcast but don't think that I'm completely stupid I can see what you're trying to do here I can see you trying to instill something into me in regards with Nathan North but I am 100% certain that the strength of Game On is one that will remain that way and uh, you could call me a fool you can call me you can call me stupid you can call me naive you can call me everything under the sun but the fact of the matter is that I'm a man who believes in bonds I believe in the bond of people the bond is what helped us save Fair City Wrestling from Marcus the Glory Hunter well there's no doubt in that and I don't sense any doubt in your voice, at least not yet. All I'm reminding you is that some wrestlers will do anything for a bit of glory where they can put up their little Facebook post. As done a wrestle and as done a win in this place. Look at me, I'm important. For other mindless promoters around Scotland, you know who you are. To look at the picture and go, oh, they're doing really well. And I think, yeah, they did absolutely everything they could. They stood on throats, they plucked out eyeballs, they did everything they could. They kissed up and took a pay cut just to get that little bit of glory. So, perhaps Nathan North 
won't do that and he'll work alongside you and you guys will become a unit. But maybe, just maybe, he thinks this is his opportunity. Because he does want it. As do you. That's all I'm saying. And Patrick, you sit there smirking because you feel like you're going to have to be a mediator in a minute. I've but done you it yourself, you yourself, potentially be part of this rumble. Well, I mean, that's up to the that's up to the new commissioner, Kevin Williams. We'll, we'll see if anyone. How are you going to be? Your friends, Duke. How are things going to go if you're the last two potentially in a rumble match like that? Is it going to be sporting, or is it going to be that little bit of annoyance? You, Duke, as a champion, and a, a wrestler like yourself, Patrick. If you get to a point where it's you two. Is the podcast going out the window? You're going to stay friends because he happened to blindside you? Or is it going to stay competitive? Or is it going to stay friendly? And it's going to be a case of, no, no, the better man won this night. I think it would be very amicable, Duke. 100%. If I, if I was going to lose to someone, I would not mind at all with it being yourself. Or Nathan, as that matter. Mm-hmm. Because you're right, everybody is aiming for that game changer briefcase. Mm-hmm. But it's not about the person who wins it over you, it's about how they win it. Well, that's a very good point. Well, I wish you both, both, both of you the best of luck. Should you be in them? Well, that's it. I, I, I would be safe to assume that yourself would be in a trick as one of the, the... Well, like you had touched on, you were already a champion in, the, in FCW, and then we know that you're not booked to defend your title in this uh, in this card, and we'll get onto that in a bit later. It might also be worth pointing out that at the time of recording this podcast... None of us know. This is true. We, uh, so far, we don't know anyone that's um, being announced for the match. I mean, that's maybe why Duke was hesitant to sort of say, mm, this is who I could maybe see as a, a threat in the Rumble, because we don't know who's in it yet. Yeah. Yun's touched on, could I be in it? I, it's up to the new commissioner. Um, yeah. It would be nice to see, potentially, we a couple of the, the trainees from could, the Academy of Progress and get a call up to the match, but we'll just need to see what and happens. that would be a perfect opportunity if you think someone with only, perhaps, six months' experience could actually clean house just as I did and have not a golden opportunity right there and then in front of like the, the Fair City Loyal mm-hmm. in front of other wrestlers in Scottish wrestling seeing this new blood appear could be fantastic yeah. on the other hand uh, it's only possible to speculate right now who could be there but if you think regular faces within Fair City Wrestling anyone out there whoever you are you maybe have your estimates I know that People have already responded to the Facebook post on the day of recording who they think might win. I wasn't part of that Facebook post last year. And I won. So get it up here. But there's a potential for a lot of people to be there. Who would you like to see? And I feel like, I don't care because I'm not in it. Uh, Even if I was in it, perhaps I'd find another means of winning. This time I wouldn't go underneath the ring, I'd go above it. Through the roof, perhaps, one of the ceiling tiles and just stay there the whole time. You wouldn't know us, would you? And then after I'd done it, you would moan and complain and that would be another victory for you and G. Mackey. But this time, I would do something different with the Game Changer. Don't know what that is yet, but hopefully it would be creative and interesting. However, I think the, the hunt is on and to use an old wrestling meme from years ago, the fire is lit. I reckon there's a fuse lit and we're building towards what will be a a proper atomic explosion come this rumble because a lot of people are looking to prove themselves a lot of younger people a lot of people who are outside of FCW waiting to get in if their opportunity is in the fair city rumble a lot of people are wanting to make a statement the underneath the ring thing has been done by me you try that you're probably 
thinking in your head, oh, it's, no one will do it, I'll get away with it, no, guaranteed, if I'm there, which I will be, I'm pulling you out from underneath the ring and telling everybody, that's <laughs> my stuff, that's what I did, leave that. There's a lot of people out there though, especially within FCW, that are ready to make a mark, so I think it's going to be uh, an all-out Armageddon, to be honest. I mean, we can spend all our time sort of, uh, again, speculating who's going to be in there, who could win. Um, we should move on to the matches that we do have. Yes, we should. But yeah. before we do that, it was quite an interesting thing just to touch upon again uh, when you were mentioning about how, you know, there might be like a lot of the women wrestlers. Yeah, I was going to hear, right, I was going to suggest talk about you and mention that. Because uh, it is the case that at Ardlomania, um, Commissioner Kevin Williams announced... Long may he reign. Long may he reign, <laughs> back in his rightful place. But he announced that there will be a women's game-changer briefcase. So, that means that we do have sort of two two separate sort of gendered briefcases. Oh, um, yes, so he did. But well, yeah, you mentioned this initially, I remember, if I remember correctly, a few months ago. And then, was that not the same night that uh, Marcus interrupted him? and ousted control of the company. I believe it is. Um, I think we were going to get more information from uh, Kev that night, but he got cut short. Um, but yeah, we, we know it is official, it is happening now. Yeah. Um, I, think, I, think, I think it was maybe a bit erroneous by saying it happened in September, I think. It's, it's been a bit of a whirlwind in terms of wrestling. It's been a busy old time. It's been a very, few months. very busy old time. But it is the case that, yeah, we are going to have a women's game-changer briefcase. But there's a, this also... This raises... is for the November show, isn't it? Or is it on the... I think it is November. I show. believe it That's is. That's what the... he initially said, but he was going. He's we were going to find a bit more about it. I think. Yes, yeah. this, this month. But it does also raise an interesting question. So, say if what if one of the women wins the women's game changer briefcase, can they go for any and all titles? Can they go yeah. for, say, maybe if they wanted to come for a tag title, maybe if they wanted to go. Uh, and face Ian Ambrose for the heavyweight title. Yeah, we've just seen and that hardly, so yeah, why not somebody else try We that? have seen a mix up of both uh, genders, of both divisions being involved with each other, so that there could be an awful lot of uh, loopholes that where people find that they can. Well, this is it. I mean, abuse. Your championship is not the FCW men's tag team championship. It's the, it is the tag team. It is yes. the tag team championship. The women's championship is the only one that's specific. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And I have, I have always said that these hands are rated E for everyone. <laughs> uh, so if anyone does want to come and uh, try and take the titles from me and Nathan, regardless of gender, age, size, wrestling experience, I'm more than willing to step up in regards to that. So we might see that at some point. We don't know what kind of match it's going to be, whether it's going to be similar to the Game Changer Briefcase Fair Set Rumble, I mean, we could have. Could it be like a multi-man match? Could it be a gauntlet? Could it be? Could it be? A, could it be a, an elimination chamber match in Perth? What a great idea! Okay. <laughs> yeah, good, good luck trying to take that in through the back. Door. Yeah, that'll be a big build that day. But, a... but we will find out more from the commissioner Thanks. regarding that. But we've kind of danced around this a lot. Mm-hmm. We need to talk about Ewan's match at this next show because it involves yourself indirectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. with it being uh, a number one contendership match for the FCW Tag Team Championship we have the Neo Paradigm of UNG Mackey and Tom Atlas taking on the foundation of the future Zack Dynamite and Ryan Riley that is true uh, you've got a lot of history with Zack in well, FCW as we, we've we last FCW event in Ardler yeah. I'd already I think I to be honest I cut a promo on myself 
But I just took the approach uh, that everyone expects something creepy, something silly, silly little man, green and black. He can't do anything against big wrestler. You men yourself, both of you, went with him in the last podcast with Ian. I think it was Ian. Yeah. Where you decided, yeah, you know what? Zach's probably going to do it. I could have come in here shouting and screaming and putting you both down, but no, you were right to have that uh, intention. I've already beaten him. And I beat him in a street fight, not yes. something I would go straight for, but I realised that his level of creativity and mine collided on that day. And that's not to say that we're suddenly hardcore wrestling geniuses. We just think about wrestling in a very intricate way. But I showed him that as much as he said he was going to try and play me at my own game, we've had a lot of this. So I managed to get the first victory. I... I got the first kind of tick in the win column by showing him that, yeah, you throw weapons in and you can chuck them at me, but I will find a way instinctively to survive. And then you guys both said on a wrestling playing field that Zack Dynamite would have the advantage. And the thing is, though, he, he does in a size and a strength way, he does in the kind of intricate way that he thinks about wrestling. But he's wrestling you and G. Mackey, who thinks out of the box every single day of his life. And... Uh, I didn't go into the match with the intent to win. I went in with the intention, like I've said from the beginning, as it rounds to the front of this, uh, the front, the start of this podcast. I wanted to put him in the hospital, and not really because I hate him, not really because he had horrible things to say to me. I just thought, wouldn't it be funny if Zach Dynamite, someone very proficient, someone very well known for his wrestling had a match with someone seen as a cartoon character, weirdo freak nobody, managed to put him on the shelf. How would he feel? It hadn't been a, a well-known wrestler, known for their physical skills, even though I should be. Uh, many would say, Stevie the Wizard as well, says Yunji Maki can actually wrestle, he just chooses not to, and he's right. I thought, well, what if I bring it in this match? And I guess I, I did, because a lot of my ideas kind of fell by the wayside. I did try to tie him up using the barricade, just to mock him. I did try to pull his eye out several times because I thought, wouldn't it be great if he couldn't ever really see every eye again? He had to sit and watch younger wrestlers exceed what he's done. But then part of the way through, I thought, actually, I've still got it. And I've wrestled guys like you, guys that have been less experienced, more experienced. But when I go toe-to-toe and that, Again, that burning passion that I've seen from my youth when I watched wrestling ignited and I thought, okay, let's go. Let's do this. And genuinely, are you the Aberdonian ace against this absolute vermin of Scottish wrestling? But look, here you go. I'm standing toe-to-toe with you. And it sounds silly, but as I brought out my heels at the end, my wonderful white and black and sparkling heels, I was hoping that Chris Quinn, the referee, was going to take those white heels from me because I was about to plunge those black sequin sparkly ones into the side of Zach's head and he got me just at the moment I was about to swing and kicked the shoe into my head and to look back and I thought there all this talk about getting things done and dropping to my level he finally has done yeah. but he brought out a trick ahead of my trick and I was impressed is that what you wanted almost? that is what I wanted yeah. that's what I was seeking and I thought go on then let's get really really wrapped up in this wrestling contest show me because you like he, he already dubiously has and he's made it clear that he's quite 
unsure about what I'll do, but he's going to try and match it. But I think he tried to tell an audience of people, because the Foundation are who they say they are. They've not been particularly well liked by the FCW wrestlers and the fans. It's only been quite recently when you bring someone else into the equation, and who is that person in the equation? That person is me, who has come in and brought out, which is a real vitality, I think, for the Foundation of the Future. They've been quite methodical in the way they've built, in the way they've wrestled. They're definitely a very well-oiled machine. Definitely a unit. But now they're learning something else. And that's not to say I'm suddenly a great veteran that can teach people. What Zach's learning is that he has to become malleable and adaptive to what's happening around him. And he has it in him. He's well known for one aspect of wrestling, several aspects of wrestling. So when you guys said, yeah, he'll do it on the wrestling front. Yeah, he did. But it was difficult for him. Mm. Uh, he, and it's not a case of I'm not difficult to throw around, but you have to catch me. It's, it's not impossible that he'll survive a strike from me, but he got several. And he had to not so much raise his game, he just had to outthink the one who's always thinking, and that was me. And he did it. And as I got up after taking the double arm DDT brainbuster like manoeuvre to the mat, a whole load of people were booing me and laughing. And I thought, go ahead and laugh. I made him do that. Mm-hmm. I brought that out of him. And if he hadn't, kicked that black heel that black pleaser into the side of my head then it was going through his own head and he stopped it from happening and he will wrestle another day so my plan's done and I will be wrestling him and Ryan Riley along with Tom Atlas I won't be wrestling Tom he's teaming with me you got to Fellow's Fantasy wearing your bear costume as well yes he did which is all he cared about that day I think you'll find how much did he beg you to do that he really wanted to but then unfortunately uh, it was my idea (laughs) because I thought when Zach had said, you bring any furry costume you want. I thought, okay, I will. And that's why I came up like a kind of gay Inspector Gadget. I put a totally different uh, kind of full fur on and watched as Tom went out on my own. And Zach watched him intently thinking, right, okay, what are you up to? What are you going to do? You and, Oh, it's not you and it's Tom Atlas. Yes. And that gave me the opportunity. Now, I don't, I wouldn't have needed an opportunity to blindside Zach. I just thought, let's light this fire right away then, yeah. shall we? And what I saw was almost like a building inferno, like it was almost like an, an eruption as he reached the climax and him having the opportunity to allow that to come out, he said, as Billy Strachan said, as Zach has said himself, it's not usually a route he's found himself going down as of late, but I ignited that and it's not a, a, a like a narcissistic or an arrogant thing. I just thought, how many people are going to get that reaction out of you, Zach Dynamite, in the same way I got the reaction out of Caleb Valhalla, the same way that I got the reaction out of Tom Atlas. I try to provoke into action, and when I provoke into action, it's not because I've always got something to gain at the end of it that's going to be championship or glory. It's normally a long-lasting lesson that someone's learned. In my mind, I wish I'd learned better lessons, but I'd rather be a teacher these days than a fool or someone who's not learning. But obviously, the foundation of the future are a very uh, well put together team and they understand what they're doing and they've got a very good game but they don't know what Tom Atlas and you and G. Maggie have. When you take in the, the, uh, how keen, how uh, determined Tom is, that determination along with the way I'm going to, to place and strategise arm movements, foundation of the future of taken on many tag teams, especially tag teams with an FCW. 
but I think they're going to find a completely different menu when they take on myself and I've been in many tag teams as well uh, but when the tag team partners I've had have had other endeavours to do or they could shine brighter elsewhere they've dropped me and I expect Tom will at one point and I, I mean that in the sense where I would be disappointed if he didn't because he's got a lot of potential he could do really well but I want to give Tom the taste of something I don't know if he's ever worked with somebody who will uh, gel with him and we've, we've, we've had several tag team matches I think already Tom is excited I think FCW should be excited as well because we're really here to shake up the environment as I say I will provoke and I'll always manage to do some damage but that's what my my intent is I feel and with, I want the opportunity to wrestle the foundation of the future I want them to try and bring out all their intricate clever uh, wrestling manoeuvres and just see if they can catch you and GMAC and if they can fair play to them go ahead bend me in whatever shape you want the, both of you fold me up throw me out pull my arms and legs off but like very good vermin I will always get back up and the instance of this is on the line as you know as you both know this is a number one contenders match for the FCW Tag Team Championship I think Tom and I are very fortunate to be put in this position because we've not been a tag team for long but we have a good record of only two victories yeah you've beaten um Remember you beat Hunter Redwood and Karen Douglas in the Keeler Centre? We did in the Keeler Centre and, and we also took out Valak and Jay Robin. And, Jay Robin, yep. yeah, and uh, Valak, both teams of really hopeful young wrestlers looking yeah. to make a name for themselves. You can't put anything against those guys. They really did come in there with the intent to win. And then you've got Tom, who is a kind of, uh, as I say, a, a very determined young wrestler who's got absolutely all the tools to go far. But what helps a, a you know, an absolutely driven, tunnel-minded young wrestler who wants to do well? Of course, what helps him is someone in his ear offering him, a, like a, seventeen years of advice of things he wouldn't do and things he would do, which is why Tom has his heart set on victory, and I think being the number one contender to the tag team championship would be would be really good. It's been a while since I've held the Tag Team Championship. Yet, I've wanted the opportunity to wrestle you again, Duke, as well as Nathan North. And I feel like that could come to fruition at this uh, upcoming event. I'd quite like it to, because no one else in FCW has really claimed several championships in the space of a year. FCW's not been going for too long, but still been going for long enough for people to collect championships. So, perhaps... I'd quite like the tag team titles. Hmm. I mean, in terms of like the speculation of who's going to come out on top, see, this is going to be less of my prediction of who's going to win, and also maybe a bit more of a hope, and that uh, I actually kind of hope that you and Tom win. Now, that's not a knock at the Foundation of the Future whatsoever. I, me and Nathan have faced them twice. Um, and we've beaten them twice it was an incredibly hard fight so I know that you are as much as you're going to be pushing them to their paces they are going to be doing the exact same thing to you I, think oh, the most I, interesting I certainly thing, hope so I think the most interesting thing of this match is going to be whether Zach can keep his head yeah. because I think we saw at the end of your match at Ardle that you're now very much in his head he, oh, was will, he was willing to stick to you know try to bust your head open with a pair of high heels yeah Um 
Whereas I don't think many people thought he would do before that match started. Well, I think he saw his opportunity yeah. as well. I, I was raising it above my head yeah. and the Zack Dynamite we know would have probably have tried to avoid the heel yeah. and delivered the kick so that, without a shadow of a doubt, he had not stooped to any level where the rules had not said that he could otherwise. But he took the opportunity because he knew, possibly in a real perverted way, that I would like it yeah. that I would be glad he stooped to the level he said he wouldn't however it was such a brilliant opportunity to out trick a trickster that he did it and like I say when I took the, the loss and stood up and I thought it's taken a lot of people to try and beat me in FCW as well and maybe you're a, a small, big scalp player yeah. uh, well, you're a small, big scalp yeah a small man but I managed to get away and it wasn't just by the skin of my teeth I was quite intricate and careful in the ways that I've won in the past so a massive winning streak a championship and a rumble win that as you say a massive scalp a massive uh, almost treasure collected by Zack Dynamite but can he roll a turkey can he hit the, the pins down three times completely and get there and I think he's got every potential to do it but that's only if he if he gets lucky well if he, keep, if he, if he doesn't keep his head again yeah. and gets caught then he's going to ruin his opportunity not only for himself but for his tag team partner. Yeah. So in the back of his own head is Ryan Riley worried about Zach being becoming too fixated on getting more measure of revenge against you than possibly blowing his his partner's chance well, of championship that, that as well. would be down to the unity of the team as well. Are they focused on what the team achieves? Because if they are, then then that's great. But Zach's had his own uh, success, and I I feel like personal bias aside he might really want to make a point perhaps he's not done and I would be shocked if he was done because I don't think our match at Ardler really uh, closed our chapter I think we're definitely going to get Mackie Dynamite 3 at some point mm -hmm. but this is about the tag team championships I think yeah. you've, you, you've just you've said yourself you're focused on this you're shifting yeah. your focus to the tag championships it's whether, I think it's whether or not Zach can do the same I think that's one thing we need yeah. to find, we'll turn up to find out. And, and you can get your tickets on fcw.eventbrite.com. Yes, that's a good point. For people, listening, yes. right there. For people listening, it is a good point because uh, a lot more will be revealed, I assume, over the coming weeks. Uh, if you can, be focused on the, the Facebook and the, the Instagram uh, accounts of FCW as well as the YouTube channel, mm. which uh, will be easily accessible to you if you know how to use a search bar. You just put... <laughs> FCW Fair City Wrestling and there you go you'll be able to see the latest edition and of course you'll probably have subscribed by now to Empire and FCW's channel on YouTube so then you will know so yes this match is shaping up to possibly be the match of the night I mean it's definitely the match that I've got the most interest in yeah. it probably again probably even more so than the game chain rumble yeah. itself I mean, again, like the, the game changer can change anything, but this match means one of two things for Game On. It means that either we are going to be facing yourself and Tom, yeah. uh, so that you can try and maybe quickly work your way to becoming FCW's first Grand Slam champion, or we get Game On versus Foundation of the Future 3. And there you go. And that will be a test for both teams. And it's an opportunity for the foundation of the future to win the, the tag team championship gold in FCW, which is something I do believe they deserve. Or at least they deserve a shot. 
So many might see myself and Tom coming out of nowhere as something that's quite disruptive to the environment, but there's been a lot of tag teams in FCW. Uh, but Tom and I have appeared from almost nowhere, I would say. And but you're I, undefeated as a team. That's true, yeah. And I, I did say before I teamed with Tom to a room full of people that the men that I had supporting me supported me like, but they were parasites they, they supported me because I was champion they knew they'd have a spot on the card if they came to help me but they weren't really helping me for me they were helping me for themselves because my alliance with them kept them on the event they're all capable in their own right but they had no heart Tom had heart perhaps not any guidance so what I found is that Tom is so driven to achieve that it would be good to push him in the right direction almost wind him up like a I wind up toy and push him in the direction and see how he gets on. For me, I've had many championships, but the FCW championship, or the FCFCW tag team championship, after having uh, a reign as the heavyweight champion, this would be ideal, and it, it would be a great opportunity to show people that it's not only that I could wrestle in the ring. Admittedly, people will say I got help. I don't think I did. They inserted themselves into matches. The men who supported me, that being Holden. Valak and Jay Robin but Tom is working alongside me now, genuinely working alongside me and if we can achieve this at only two victories and a couple of months as a team, then it maybe says the tag team division in FCW needs to be restructured slightly if we can get to the top. This will be a test for us it's going to be a test for you Duke and Nathan North and it's going to be a test for the foundation, admittedly the ones that are the most experienced yeah. out of all of us as a tag team. True. But the one who's most experienced out of the entire lineup sits beside you right now. So uh, take away from that what you will. I just thought I'd remind you, I've worked with uh, a lot of tag team partners and they've been experienced, inexperienced and uh, with mixed results. I've had defeats, but I've also had a lot of victories as well and at one point held both the W3L Tag Team Championship and the Scottish Wrestling Alliance Tag Team Championship as well. Which you won't hear about, viewers, because when that happened, it stopped being a big deal in Scottish wrestling. It was only a big deal when Fight Club did it, and only a big deal when the Weapons of Mass Destruction did it after us, because we were too small and too colourful. But, as weird as that is, not everybody who was suddenly important champions with those two belts at the same time are still around. One of them is, and it's me, right? It was important, and it was quite an achievement back in the day. Don't let anyone else tell you different. So moving on from tag teams, we need to go for the two biggest singles belts in the company. Mm-hmm. We need to talk about the FCW Women's Championship because Serena Rose has beaten everyone put in front of her so much so that we're almost having to go round again. Yeah. It's uh, it's the case that anyone that we bring in, she is just she's able to cut through them. Like like a knife through bar. This is because she is a, a matriarch of Scottish wrestling and uh, deserves the respect in, in regards to the fact that she has for years been able to cement herself at the top of a uh, women's wrestling divisions around Scotland various other countries too she's managed to put herself there and while a lot of her colleagues have have moved on to different countries, different places she will always find a top spot wherever she goes and I think that's the important thing that younger girls and and less experienced uh, women who want to challenge her need to understand is she knows all the dirty tricks 
Well, this will make it a little bit more interesting because she's going up against someone who has seen these tricks before in Moxie and Malone. Yeah, I accidentally called her Molly Malone when I was uh, ringing us that night and I got no end of grief for it correctly. But um, yeah, I made a slice of I was just one to pint. For those of you who don't know, there's a pub yes. in Dundee called Molly Malone. Yeah. And I apologise also that so much to Moxie after the match. In Dublin's first city, yeah. where the girls are so pretty. I first set my eyes on Moxie Malone. Moxie Malone. <laughs> no, Molly Malone. To be fair though, uh, Gordo uh, took the heat off me the next day at the student showcase by calling uh, Randy Valentine, Randy Savage. So my mistake was not so it much. Will never be forgotten. No, so. which is a shame because uh, Gordo is he's often very busy giving Inspector Gadget all of his assignments. So. <laughs> <laughs> you you made that comparison uh, before, and I won't stop. And it's 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 very accurate. I'm, I'm not going to lie. When as soon as you said it, I um I I, I can't unsee it now. We love Flash Gordo. Billy really loves Flash Gordon. Oh, he if you does. look at his review of Ardler Mania on uh, the SWN YouTube channel, he really, really loved Flash Gordon. He absolutely <laughs> loved it. Like, his enthusiasm just bleeds through. Oh, that's very true. He does. He's a very captivating gentleman. But yeah, so this is... Um, but yeah, Mox, Moxie Malone versus <laughs> Serena Rose 2. It's going to be... Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> too, uh, too fast, too Moxie. Yeah. Oh, I like yeah. it. Moxie Boogaloo. Moxie Boogaloo. This should just be a podcast in itself. <laughs> Rubbish <laughs> wrestling puns. <laughs> uh, of which there are enough. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's... Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is going to be, again, a very interesting match because, again, Moxie is coming in with, again, the prior knowledge and experience of facing Serena before, knowing fully well what she is capable of. And I think that this is going to... I think that's maybe something that Serena doesn't always take into consideration is that yes you can face the same person again and every time they do you get wiser and wiser well there you go Zach's a perfect example it's yeah it's even for myself and Nathan facing the foundation of the future we learned every time from them uh, and continue to learn and every time that you go up against another opponent you not just become more experienced and how they are as wrestlers, but more experienced as how you are of as a course, wrestler yeah. as well. I, I feel that Moxie is, uh, will be a lot, a lot wiser to what Serena Rose is capable of. However, she does have an immense disadvantage of the years that Serena Rose has been wrestling and it's taken up a large part of her life. That's not to say she hasn't had a life, but she's, she's so wise to it that she constantly kind of decapitates every division she's a part of and reaches the top. She almost takes that crown wherever she is. And Moxie will have met many uh, male and female wrestlers, more importantly female wrestlers in women's divisions, and they'll not be like Serena Rose. They'll not quite have that edge. So I feel that she might be able to get a little bit further, get a little bit more focused, perhaps even achieve a lot more than she did her first time round it will still be a hard mountain to climb against Serena Rose because Serena Rose will she will wrestle smarter not harder she will find a way to almost imprison her opponent in a situation that they cannot escape from and then eventually she's she has always been very good at seeming like she's no threat or seeming like 
she's going to be consumed by her own anger or her own, her own frustration and she expertly turns that back around and if you've ever heard her speak especially in recent years within FCW she knows what she's doing yeah. and she's very wise to almost not, not shifting the blame not like that no she's almost very good at getting people to let go of their own uh, discipline when it comes to the frustrations and she's very good at finding people's weak points early on so Moxie, if you're listening, which you may not be, but if you are, you can try and keep your head, but she'll find a way to cut it clean off. So mm. you best be ready for that. That is a very fair point to make. Um, I remember when we first had Moxie in the company, a lot of her anger was kind of her undoing in a lot of ways. Um, so she has shown before that she can be emotionally compromised. Yes. Uh, and that's just a surefire way to... That is a surefire way to lose your match straight away um, so when yeah. it comes to the speculation for this match I know that the past couple of times I've confidently said Serena despite the fact that I don't think you see she's a very nice person um, you sometimes just have to give the devil their due but this time around again a lot of it depends on Moxie herself but I genuinely think that she has a good chance of walking away with that belt. Um, again, she has she's familiar with Serena Rose and Serena Rose's style of wrestling and all of her tricks. Again, so long as she can keep her head in the game, I think she's got a very good chance. Also, uh, she comes out to Hey Mama, It's Your Funeral by Alexis on Fire, and that is a surefire way to get points in my book. Um, there you go. I feel like I've been on a journey of discovery with our champion because I've gone from thinking, maybe uh, uh, for a lack of knowledge, again, I mentioned it earlier on, I'm still learning, I'm still studying the history of wrestling, especially in this, in this part of Scotland. Um, when I first saw Serena and she, she came in, she won the belt back, very impressive. I'd heard about her, she was an undefeated champion before. And then, as, and as you said, I started to hear her talk. And my first thought was, well, she seems very arrogant and overconfident and very almost dismissive of her, her competitors. She's going to fall foul to that and she's going to slip up. She just keeps winning. Mm. It turns out that she's not doing it because she's being arrogant or being dismissive. She's doing it because she's that damn good. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm on the train now, basically. I see what everyone's been talking about for, for years about this amazing wrestler who talks the talk and backs it up. That's very much right. I mean, when I made that, uh, the comparison last week to Zlatan Ibrahimovic uh, again the one football reference that I can confidently make yeah I, I feel that again it's it's accurate to say that she's one of the few people that can always back up what she says talk the talk walk the walk she does that uh, and, and she's proven it time and time again but that doesn't mean that you can't be disproven it's going to have to happen one day yeah. it's, it's it's an inevitability at some point she is going to fall, as all champions fall. Even I, even I accepted myself with uh, Game On, um, that there will be a point where we might not have those belts. I don't think that's yeah. going to happen anytime soon, but there is going to be a point where maybe when we're, we're old and rusty and we can't go no more and there's maybe some two new upstarts that come in and they're able to take our belt off of us. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a part of life that you are going to fail it's just when that failure is going to happen for Serena Rose yeah it's going to be again it's going to be an 
incredible match. I am very much looking forward to seeing that. As I am looking forward to final match that we're going over. Uh, I will also say again for anyone who's listening to the podcast for the first time, and um, the order that we go through these matches does not necessarily represent the order that they will appear on the card. Which, of course, is subject to change. Yes, which is always always subject to change. So the only way for you to find out what order these matches are going to be in is by being at the Tulloch Institute on Friday the 13th of October. Easy day to remember. Easy day to remember. Genius marketing for FCW. Incredible. And let's just hope that that it's not unlucky for some people. It will will, will be for some people, but maybe not all. (laughs) So, uh, but with that in mind, we will go on to our final match to be discussed. And that is going to be the match for the heavyweight championship between Ian Ambrose and Andy Roberts. This is going to be interesting. This is very interesting. As I've said before, and it's a phrase that I love, styles make fights. Mm -hmm. Last time we were talking about Ian Ambrose, the sports entertainer, defending his belt against professional wrestling in the form of Emerson Jane. Now we've got uh, sports entertainer Ian Ambrose fighting a big, old-school, throwback, heavyweight wrestler in Andy Roberts. And uh, this is is going to be such an interesting fight for that because we've seen what Andy Roberts can do. We've seen what he's done to his own students and the brutality he's willing to inflict on people uh, in order to... You know, in, in order to achieve that, and as I said, it's a, it's a very, uh, it's a very good comparison. I remember the match that he had uh, with Craig Berry at Ardor Mania, and it reminded me a lot of something like an old World of Sport match. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it's, I think the yeah, the idea of Styles making fights very much comes into play with this match. Yeah. And Andy's earned this definitely for his last two appearances in SCW, both at the Ardor actually. Mm-hmm. Name else back at Name Else earlier this year, he took on the other half of the Meat Factory, John Kelly. He's Kemp. also had his opportunity against Caleb when Caleb was champion as well. He did, he actually. Did. Well, forgive so, me, I don't remember that one. Uh, this was this was when he was before my time. This yeah. was the, when FCW had returned uh, after uh, an unspecified break for, for several years that the whole human race had. Uh, with the common cold is rebranded back to the people. Anyway, the the point I must make is that Andy did take on Caleb, and I think that was his first appearance. Mm. But he'd already uh, he already brought a great deal of uh, I guess uh, as you were saying that style uh, that you were talking about, Duke. He'd he'd kind of already got the top spot. And I think it was a place that FCW management felt he would be adequate to be put into that position. So now he's had a little run where he's shown everybody how he educates his students. In Ardler, I think they want to bring that, uh, him a new opponent who has a little bit more seasoning to him. Nothing against the meat factory at all. But he's had his chance to take on somebody reasonably seasoned. He's showcased his students as well as himself. Now he's reached the point where he gets back on top. Do you yeah, understand what yes. I mean? Yeah. So it's a case of now we've seen you, we've seen you, we've seen you compete, we've seen you educate. We want to see the competitive side back again, and we're putting you back on top we to give him, you this opportunity. We saw him certainly season the meat. 
Oh yeah, that's a, a, a good opportunity and well taken. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I saw the opportunity. I I couldn't let that slip. Uh, but no, I think it's also quite interesting because compared to his first uh, shot at the heavyweight championship, um, he was a much more honourable wrestler than he is now. Um, this new attitude that he's gotten, uh, it's a lot more aggressive, it's a lot more brutal, it's, it's like he has something more to prove with his wrestling and he has proven it quite a lot in FCW with again just showing what he's capable of doing to two of his two of the people he's supposed, two of the people he's supposed to care for two so the what's people, he going to do to somebody he's got no affiliation to exactly how, especially when the championship's on the line exactly how brutal is he willing to be in this match how much is he willing to do to Ian Ambrose in order to get this belt um, I'd say like it's it's hard to rank the belts up like one on top of each other uh, within our company, but it's safe to say that the heavyweight championship is one of the most sought after belts in yeah, fair say wrestling. It's considered a very attractive championship, says a man who held it for several months, and people told him so, and wondered why I wasn't smiling. And I said because I didn't want it in my luggage. Although that's not to 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 drop the value of the championship. Of course, I was privileged to have the opportunity. And I was privileged to wear the strap. However, that would have mattered to myself, you and G. Markey in 2018-2019. would have mattered to me several years ago where I was on an absolute tear. And that was my, I think, possibly my peak. So these days, I realised I won the championship in the most half-assed way possible. And uh, unfortunately, I, I maybe denied an audience a, a kind of barnstormer of a match. Maybe I denied them a a real uh, extravagant victory but I don't care I do oh sorry I I feel like uh, we're just talking about styles there Andy's found a style that worked for him in terms of he's going brute force I feel like your style is almost just efficiency yeah like let's see how touch on how easily I can win the first set rumble how easily I can win the, the championship and it was like almost that you wanted to be champion so you could, like you could deny other people yeah, from being champion. Yeah, just entirely. I wanted to win the belts so no one else could have it. Yeah. But I feel, uh, like, I feel like, you might, am I right in thinking your attitudes might be changed now maybe with the tag titles? Well, for the tag titles it would be good to win the tag titles so people could go, oh, there he is, manipulating someone else because yeah. that's what they'll think, that's what people will want to do because it makes them feel uh, heroic and strong because they put someone else down. But it'll be a, uh, an opportunity for me to show the world in the tag titles that I still can gel with people in yeah. a way where not everything I do is entirely selfish I think that with Andy and with Ian we have, people might want to call them polar opposites but they have one thing that, uh, that that kind of draws them together that's different to me especially as a champion is that professional wrestling uh, to them in, in many ways it's, it's been a big part of Andy Roberts' life. Well, I was going to say, I feel like he want he wants to be champion. This yeah. is why he's he's going and into this is, channeling this yeah, style. Exactly, get, and he's been a champion that. in many promotions before. He's also got his own school. But he's a family man too, and he cares very deeply for his his family, as he's discussed with me over the years. What you have to understand is that he's very proud of his wrestling. He's made very good contacts. He now trains a. People in Fife, which is mere moments away from the like where I live. Although I, when I go past this studio, I'm going to the Pole Studio, <laughs> which is it's off in one direction, and I'm several miles in the other direction. 
However, uh, Ian is the same. Ian's a proud father, a family man. He uh, and he adores wrestling too, as silly as he is. The Ian I knew was an enormous fan for years, and Andy and Ian have I've got a great passion and pride for wrestling, and as silly and as almost like a contemporary performer from the late seventies into the early eighties. Ian is an oddball. He always was, but I think for many years Ian tried to to follow the 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 seriousness and the uh, the sporting of wrestling. And a lot of the time, somebody would come along and take away that mantle by telling him he was too silly. Mm. And now Ian has fully embraced what makes him uh, powerful, what endears him to a crowd. But not just that, as he is very well versed. Both him, or both he, sorry, and Andy are students of the game they know what's relevant they understand things in the context within the wrestling environment so much so that you'll never really be able to get anything past either one of them because they'll they'll know something has happened they'll know the the work of another wrestler they'll know the company that you speak of it has to be pretty much out of their almost all-encompassing uh, encompassing radar for them not to know which is what makes them different to me because if someone said, have you heard of Chris Water from this promotion? I'd go, I don't care, I'm eating biscuits, go away. <laughs> Whereas if you said it to Andy, he would go, yes, I know this guy. And I know where he trained and I, I know a contact or whatever. I know somebody through him. This is in Chris Water. I've seen him, I've heard of him, I've not, uh, you know, and, and Ian would be the same. Oh, yes, I think I've heard that name. Because they care about wrestling and they're very passionate towards it. But they both go in slightly different directions. Where that, where that initial source and that base is of them being genuine family men, genuinely guys that can graft and do very well. Ian has taken an element of silliness and is exploring it in a way that has endeared himself to the Fair City Wrestling audience and to Scottish wrestling. Whereas years ago, people were ready not to value him because to them, who hadn't seen him perform, who hadn't seen him wrestle, people were ready to discredit him simply because he was modest, simply because he wanted to learn the craft in Andy's case, Andy built up his contacts and for many years he worked different places, he won championships, but again, he was modest. But now they've reached a point where, as they get on a bit, because both men are younger than me, but not that much younger, they've reached a point where they think, right, okay, now this is where they're almost in their enlightenment phase. They're in their almost uh, Taylor Swift reputation phase where they, I'm so sorry for that reference, everyone listening, but I don't care. Uh, Look what you made me do. <laughs> you must see it this way, is it myself, you and Jimaki, I have had that and I sense it. It's the same way where I've worked alongside a wrestler who himself, I probably can't mention the podcast, people will cry, but I will, it's Martin Stallion. I watched him awaken. I'm watching Ian awaken and Andy awaken and Andy's had many different journeys as has Ian, but this is their high level awakening phase. Ian is a champion. And Andy would be a perfect scalp for Ian to take completely. But if Andy can overcome Ian, then he'll impress a great deal of people at Fair City Wrestling because Ian has been switched on. And as I, I always use a kind of fire analogy, but he's ignited some kind of a spark now that has exploded. He's gone from almost being a nihilist, which he probably still is, into being everyone's favourite part of an FCW wrestling show, apart from when I'm wrestling. But this will be incredible, I think, because we will see men who's, who at the very base forms are rooted in the same thing, the same values. 
It's just they've gone in completely opposite directions to get there. But then they meet almost in a kind of a, maybe almost like a kind of pentagram, you know, like a pentagon shape. Yeah. That's almost a pentagon. They've gone in different directions up and now they meet again. And I will watch this match. Not because I care who wins, really. I just want to see what's become of Andy Roberts. The, the former Andy Wilde, the, the young man I watched grow up when I was starting to wrestle, he had already started it a year or so ahead of me. And then Ian, who I used to call Calamity Ian, and he used to he used to be quite and he was always an oddball, but he had passion, he had something in him, and I watched his journey too, and alongside me perhaps they watched mine, but they stuck out to me. So when they meet, it will be the culmination of years of work, almost kind of reaching this zenith, this this point that I want to be present for, which sounds really selfish again, but I would probably find myself watching this match. Not because I care who wins. I've had that belt. It's heavy. It doesn't really fit in my bag very well. And I had other belts, by the way, alongside that championship. So, so many in my bag. I'd like to see who comes out on top. Because regardless of who it is, it's quite a journey and quite, as you say, a scallop of a feather in the cap for both men. And that's not say, me saying I respect both men. Do whatever you want, guys. Think whatever you want to of me. If you cross me these days, you won't know what hit you. But this is your match. And I think it's one that the audience will definitely be satiated with. It's definitely the, the top part of the menu, I would say, apart from, obviously, the match I'm going to be part of, which will have all sorts of exotic tastes, let me tell you. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost a bit too scared to make a call for this one, because you put it so succinctly in that they've, their journeys have led them to these like new, different, in strange paths, mm. uh, many years on from where they started, as happens with any sort of wrestle, the evolution of your craft uh, comes first and foremost. But it almost makes me sort of hesitant to make a call. Like I, I, I've, as I said in the last um, podcast, uh, when we had Ian here, uh, I am an Ian Ambrose guy. Uh, I am a man who learned so much from. Uh, Many, many, many moons ago, I had my first ever match against Ian Ambrose. So he did. And it was a completely different type of Ian Ambrose to the one that I know today. He's a man mm. who changes himself. Uh, it's so ready to sort of change himself um, in order to achieve what he needs to do. And Andy Roberts is very much in that same vein as well. He's very much willing to ab- abandon any sort of morals he's had before if it, or at least this current iteration of Andy Roberts mm-hmm. seems to be willing to do that, um, if it thinks that it's going to get him exactly what he needs and what he wants. So I am... Um, I mean, a, a big part of me is also going to say, you know, uh, that it's it's going to be it's going to be too close to call. Um, I don't... I usually go with my gut instinct. I think the Ian Ambrose will probably walk away with the title again. Uh, again, this is not a knock at all to Andy Roberts uh, whatsoever. Again, we've all seen exactly what he can do and what he's willing to do. Uh, but a big part of me feels that Ian just has that extra edge. Maybe it's just because I've seen more of him. Maybe it's because I've learned from him. Yeah. Um, it's a classic FCW coin flip. That's one thing I like yeah. about our company. We're very good at putting on 
very competitive, hard to call matches because mm-hmm. that's the way it should be. You don't want to go into a card being able to go, yep, he's going to win, she's going to win, they're going to get battered. What's the point in that match? It's so obvious who's going to win. Yeah. It, it, intrigue, it intrigues an audience, I think. And it intrigues fellow wrestlers as well because we're all sitting here thinking, well, we don't know. Yeah. I will back Ian as well. I'm like yourself. I'm uh, I'm studying a lot under Ian at his classes at uh, Dab Dub. Um, not had the pleasure of being in the ring with him like yourself. I've been in the ring with you. It didn't end very well for me. No, it didn't. I had um, some hired help. Yes. Hi- hashtag higher grum. It turns out that he was uh, cheaper than I thought uh, that uh, day. But then that was only, like, I think that maybe gave him the idea yeah. that he should start charging for his services. Yes. I would not like to think how hard he would choke slam me if you'd paid him a bit more. Yeah, it was it was really only in the uh, gala food, yeah. so I I think you got off lightly there. Yeah, <laughs> so we'll see what happens next time in that regard. But yeah, um, again, classic FCW coin flip. But pr- again, like yourself, probably due to my association with Ian, I'm going to back him. I'm going to say that the title will stay with the King of Scum style. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I couldn't possibly let the podcast end. In, in regards to us discussing this match without saying I've been in the ring with both mm. men and uh, this of course we've talked about multiple realities where my old friend would have been my tag team partner where I could have been a writer but being in the ring with both men being at um, the early parts of their career and later on I've teamed with Ian I didn't get to see Andy so much over the, the last couple of years but I have wrestled him and I look at this match and I think I would like to see Andy Roberts raised the FCW Championship simply because of the championships he has risen, the promotions he's been in where he's, he's made an impression, but also because it would create a totally different challenge for everyone chasing the championship. However, I would want to get the opportunity for Ewan as he is now, that's me, to take on Andy as he is now mm. because we were both very different men years ago. And I wouldn't even care if he won. I'd just like him to see that I've still got it. And I haven't left myself behind at all. But with Ian, I'd like to see Ian raise the strap because this has a great deal of weight to it. Ian has deserved more than this for a long, long, long time. And I don't think he knew his worth up until now. And now, fortunately for him, unfortunately for wrestling, but unfortunately for someone like myself, seeing that happen now is almost kind of bittersweet, thinking he deserved so much more. I'd like my opportunity to test this version of Ian, such as I've had the opportunity to wrestle him. So really, I would back Andy for a victory, but that's not because I want to see Ian lose and be forgotten about. I want to see Ian chase and claim that championship back because I want Ian to show that he can go several rounds with Andy Roberts and stand tall. But I want Andy Roberts to show that not only can he can he take on one version of a man, but he can constantly keep developing and providing and I think these two probably should find themselves together more often so let's start the chase Andy you're probably not listening you're probably far too busy coaching or being a dad but if you do listen do all you can to beat Ian Ambrose because I guarantee you like a tsunami of bad puns and silly voices and bones he'll come right back after you and you'll be shocked when he drops you for that championship in your second encounter. That's all I'm going to say, as I really think there should be. And again, I like to provoke, and I like to uh, rattle cages, and I like to ruffle feathers and any other cliche that you want, which makes me uh, a horrible person to go to the pet shop with, really. <laughs> you're lucky that your tortoise isn't really in a, a cage or has feathers. 
He's just worrying about the, the edit that he's going yeah, to have to do. He doesn't want to have to do that, I don't blame him. Uh, so yeah, I feel this is, this is there's such weight to this championship match for both of these men that I don't know what Ian's going to do. I have a feeling I know what Andy will bring. But Andy's wiser than he lets on. He can be brutal if he so desires. He's no fool. No. And he's he's uh, quite a tactician when it comes to wrestling. So I think for anyone listening, if you haven't bought your tickets already, please do buy them because this match is worth the price of admission. And uh, you can get those tickets at fcw.eventbrite.com uh, for the First City Rumble on Friday the 13th of October. But this brings us neatly to the end of our podcast. Yeah. What a journey. Again, thank you, Ewan, for coming on. I was looking forward to this episode and it's, uh, it's not let me down at all. I really appreciate you uh, coming in. I've, uh, I've, I've learned a lot. I, I will say that much. And uh, depending on how things go for your match, uh, we might be seeing each other in the ring maybe a little bit sooner rather than later. Of course. And if you are no stranger to me. We have wrestled before. But I felt it would be doing myself a disservice if I came on here and just as I said before started to scream and shout and throw insults at people I thought this is a far better way to have my voice heard and for everyone in FCW to fully understand it the more you shout at me the more that you've got things to say to me fans punters who are listening uh, you'll never quite know the full extent of my uh, my intentions until things are done but I'd rather I did things civilised and did things properly so that when I do hopefully achieve my goals everyone will understand there was true intent and purpose to what I did and uh, yeah it's been it's been very interesting getting a little glimpse into the mind of you and G Mackey so for the people who are listening uh, thank you very much for tuning in before we go uh, Ewan would you like to tell the people on where they can find you well, uh, I'm, I'd like to think I was clever with social media, but I'm not. But if you want to have me on Instagram, then you should, because my videos are interesting, and the things I like to post are amazing. Uh, you should look for Ewan, all one word, Ewan G. Mackey, on Instagram. I can be found on Facebook. I don't really have... I, I've had wrestler pages made for me. I didn't make them. But you can find me under my, my first name only, which is Ewan. <laughs> And that's where you'll find me. But I also have a YouTube channel. And uh, you're better looking for me and just type in my name because you'll probably not manage the word. But if you find a YouTube account called Borosinho, that's me. And that's where you'll find any promotional material I put, any videos uh, that, I, that I'll put up. Well, obviously, that's what YouTube for, videos, whatever promotional material I'm going to put there. But that's where you'll find new highlight videos because I make my own, right? Usually and uh, record my promotional material so please go there if you want to be entertained and you're tired of the same monotonous west side drivel that you will get as a promotional material from any other wrestling company please watch what I'm doing because it's much better <laughs> thank you very much for that Ewan and again thank you very much for tuning into this edition of the Fair City Pod Wrestling Podcast mm-hmm. uh, as always I am Duke Cannon and I am Patrick Petersky. And you have been fantastic, and we hope to see you all at the Tulloch Institute on Friday, the 13th of October. So, uh, just to actually, just to wrap this up, uh, I've 
heard that you do a very good impression of Stevie Wizard. Oh, yes. And would you like you to... can't let the people go without... Let's take Stevie Wizard. Let's take Stevie Wizard out to the outro. Okay. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you very much for being part of the Fair City Wrestling podcast. He is, he is going to say, I don't sound like that. But you know what, Wizard? You do. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being part of the Fair City Wrestling uh, podcast. And hopefully you're going to come and see our show on the 13th of October in the Tullock Institute in Perth and uh, as far as I can tell it looks like a properly stacked card and you will be definitely fulfilled ladies and gentlemen it would be great to see you there thank you very much I am Stevie the Wizard and I will, I will, I will try and not laugh